Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Ramble, friends. <laughs> Gentlemen, ladies, we have a very, 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 how should I put it? The guest is dear to my heart for many reasons. And uh, we go back very far, but we haven't seen each other because we are very far apart for a long time. So I've been looking forward to this both because he has a lot of valuable information that I know you're going to be curious uh, to learn about NFTs and Bitcoin and, and the metaverse and marketing and where it stands today. But I just wanted to catch up with him. And this was the only freaking time he would give me time to catch up with him. I'm kidding. He, <laughs> he would take a call. But let me let me read off his, his bio just so you get a little sense of my friend Aaron. And uh, then we'll dive into it. So Aaron Friedman is a business leader and digital strategist with over 25 years of experience working in the information technology industry. In his earlier Web 1.0 days, Aaron started out as an IT engineer, helping to build some of the first ISPs, that's internet service providers down in South Florida, to architecting and building data networks for businesses and schools. Aaron moved on to founding and selling an IT integration and dot-com incubator company in the late 90s, at which time he became the CTO for a national bank lender for six years. Moving onward, Aaron built a web 2.0 application platform allowing users to market their business and sell products within social media platforms like Facebook. Fast forward to present day, Aaron owns and operates a full-service digital agency to Rock One Media, building web applications, e-commerce systems, mobile apps, and providing digital marketing services. He also co-founded Hacka Labs, which is an NFT entertainment and media company focused on building the company's brand and tech in the metaverse and in real life with the company's other five co-founders. Aaron is incredibly passionate, and I'll add, energetic, but passionate about Web 3.0, the Web 3.0 space, including NFTs, metaverse, crypto, and everything that blockchain technology has to offer humanity. His personal life, Aaron is a husband and father of four children that are the joy of his life. Aaron serves as a youth leader at his local church. He enjoys boating, fishing, hiking, being active outdoors with his family, powerlifting, yoga, and biohacking. How the heck are you? Good, man. That was uh, that was a mouthful, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> tell you what, awesome, to, awesome to be here, Joel. Uh, definitely, it's been a long time coming, so I was glad we were able to make this, uh, you know, work. It's been a busy year so far, dude. You've like really busy. Like you're you're normally you're not the busiest guy in the world because you manage your time, from what I know very well. But it seems like I don't know since late fall you've taken that to another level. Like, is that a fair comment? I think that's fair. Yeah. Burning the candle at both ends. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I know you're right there too. You know what I mean? I mean, as way back when, you know, you and I were living next to each other over in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, when you were in the States, you know, running naked. I mean, I remember your travel and, you know, just doing the same thing. I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of running the same game, but it was back, uh, back in the fall around, you know, November timeframe that, uh, you know, I came on board with Haka Labs as a co-founder and helped them plan their strategy and get the company to where it is today, which I know we'll dive into. But uh, 
but yeah, once I kind of took on that, took on that, you know, th- that, that third company actually, because so I have T-Rock One Media, which is, that's my main bread and butter, my digital agency. I also have an Amazon business that I started during COVID. Because uh, as like with everyone, you know, I mean, I, I took a pretty big hit for four months. You know, the first thing that everyone stops uh, in a time of crisis is typically advertising, uh, you know, except this time I was prepared. I, m- I remember way back during the whole uh, when 9-11 happened, right? At that time, I had sold my my digital strategy shop, you know, which is the IT company, you know, .com incubator. I sold that company to the Star Group. And I remember when the Star Group, when 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 9-11 happened, and I was on board with them for a year as a consultant, the uh, the marketing arm of that company started to like really dwindle. Uh, it was the first thing you know, people panicked back in those days when that happened. So that always stuck with me uh, forever, you know, just going through that experience. It's like, hey, wow, you know, like strategy, like, you know, world events, life events can can really have an effect on um, businesses and how they make decisions and whatnot. So when, when COVID hit, uh, you know, this is before obviously the PVP loans and depending on what country you're in, not every, not every country obviously had bailouts, but, you know, companies were panicking here when that first happened. So I was prepared. I knew I was going to take a hit of some kind, right? So it was, it was about four months, but right when it happened, so a partner uh, or actually say a friend of mine who I met through uh, a business networking group. We used to do these strategic dinners in Manhattan before that all, you know, that kind of all ceased to exist when, when COVID hit. But he owns a, uh, a shoe manufacturing company and actually does all the manufacturing or a good part of it for Steve Madden. So, in, and this is largely done in, in China overseas. So he had a lot of manufacturing that ceased to exist for a period of time. And we leveraged some of his facilities and, and um, contacts. Like we were on the ball on this right away. And we knew there was like short supply of masks and certain PPE and things like that. So we very quickly were able to, uh, to do that, to start bringing in, you know, PPE and different things into the country to supply hospitals and, and whatnot on a, on a B2B way. And then in the middle of all that, I did an exclusive partnership with a, an amazing company that's actually in Maryland who does, uh, it's an H, HOCL uh, disinfectant spray, right? All natural. Like personally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Like I love this stuff. I, you mentioned I do yoga. So I do a ton of yoga every week. And, you know, when you are trying to like watch your health, you're careful about what you put on your body, not just in your body, right? But on your body. I use that stuff in my yoga mat, man. It's like all natural, safe around pets, kids, all that stuff. So that'll get, that'll get felt, rid of the smell on my yoga mat. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> that I've, funky I've had smell the same, that my yoga mat has. Is that like? <laughs> dude, I, I've had the same yoga mat now uh, for years. I don't even know how many years. It's like it's a really good one. It's thick and it. it I honestly forget the brand, but it's a really good one. I paid maybe like one hundred twenty bucks for back when I got it years ago, and it it looks brand new. This stuff not only cleans it perfectly, but it's called disinfectsol. You know, it's on Amazon. So I, I own the exclusive rights to it on Amazon, right? So I did a deal with them. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're kind of like crushing it with this product on Amazon. So that's like my, my Amazon business. Now that the PPE stuff doesn't really happen anymore because that, you know, that whole market went back to normal. So, oh, so yeah. yeah when, I got when, stuck on that one, you know. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we jumped after it too with our manufacturing contacts. So to clarify, for those when Aaron said I run naked, 
it, he meant the, the underwear company, formerly under company that was naked underwear, not that I was not just running run. around Greenwich, Connecticut, commando <laughs> uh, together, right? Together. Especially in that town. But uh, no, we like we oh, I got I got stuck with everything because we leveraged all our, our manufacturing contacts. But by the time everything arrived, oh, it was like the market had been saturated, at least up here. But you got through, you like, you were able to transact on that and, and get stuff sold on the other side on the PPE. Yeah, very quick. Yeah, very, very quickly. You know, like we had like two phases. So we were able to bring things in very, very quickly because logistically we, because of my, my, my partner at the time, he had all this stuff in place from the shoes, from the shoe business. So, and we had people, we had like boots on the ground, like, like people that, he worked with that were physically there that could physically go up to mass manufacturing companies like that were selling like not the fake <laughs> all the problems that happened there was a lot of fraud that happened like he, they were able to bang on the door of like real manufacturers that were doing like you know quality tested n95 respirators and things like that so uh and i picked up uh you know a large um major hospital university in the philadelphia market and you know we were able to do business with them, and that that totally bridged the gap during that little bit that little dry spell I had. Uh, you know, just kind of keep revenue flowing in, and uh, and then when that started to while that was happening, I was working this disinfectsol deal. It took a while to get everything certified with Amazon, everything's EPA. I, I basically had to learn the disinfectant business, you know, pretty much overnight, which I did. So that was a a lot of hours. But then once I got that up, it was like the, it was selling itself. It was crushing it. You know, I mean, my background is obviously marketing. So I was doing like all sorts of ads, video ads, PP, you know, PPC and stuff like that on Amazon. But yeah, we were, we were doing, I mean, right out of the gate with, with that product, we were doing minimal a hundred, a hundred units a day. And, you know, that was, I mean, that's every day, you know, we were doing minimal hundred, hundred units a day. So it did, it did very well, slowed down a little bit, but then, you know, I'm, I'm still doing it. And then, but like I said, four months later, everybody got their PPP, their PPP money. Yeah, yeah. I want to say PPE still. They're, right. So they're, they got that money came in, disaster recovery came in, and then they were right back to spending again, probably even more than ever, because then everything started really picking up and not just like the digital marketing stuff, but development. So, you know, that was doing, you know, really well. And I was scaling, uh, I was scaling that business and, you know, ready to take that to the next level. And then here we, you know, fast forward that to fall. And then that's when I got involved with, uh, with Haka Labs. But when that happened, you know, it's funny. I just read a tweet today and I was like rolling, laughing, you know, I, I actually have it. I have it right here. Let me make sure I'm reading it right. So somebody tweeted that's in the web three space that, uh, the three in web three stands for three full-time jobs. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was rolling because it's like, so true, you know, like my schedule right now, Monday through Friday is pretty much 6am, 6am to 12am, you know, every day. And that's, uh, oh. that's, that's, you know, it's a long day. So well, that's, that's so one can... hour more. Cause so I, I was right. Cause back in the day you were usually signing off, you were up at six and you're usually signing off at 11. So you, you've ta- or 10, 10 or 11. So you've tacked on two, two hours at the end of the, uh, yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. I yeah, couldn't, we on, I couldn't I do we, that. We, There's no way I could do that. No, no. It's, but you know what? It wasn't consistent before. Like I would run those, those hours when needed, but it wasn't consistent. This is very consistent. Plus I'm definitely doing a half a day on Saturday. Um, I do a half a Saturday every week. And on Sunday, I've always, you know me, I've always tried to be in like, you know, 
a full Sunday kind of family man. I still manage to maintain that. Uh, but I end up putting in a couple of hours on a Sunday, for, you know, for sure, depending on what's going on. You just, whatever it takes, you know, and there's, and I'll tell you what, there's six of us, right? Mm-hmm. There's six co-founders. It's just a lot of work. So, and, and I, and I share that, like, not to just sit here and, you know, endorse like working your ass off, you know, and never sleeping. It's just the show that, you know, and, and you know, this like me and, and probably better than most is that, you know, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur is it's, it's like hard work, man. And mm-hmm. I think people have to have the expectations properly set in their head. You know, Gary V says it best, right? Like there's a lot of people that just want to be entrepreneurs uh, because they think it's like cool or it's glamorous or they were, you know, it's like the thing on, I, you know, that, on IG or whatever, right? Like they see other people just like, you know, flexing the status and stuff. And it's like, oh, I want to be that. But there's never a conversation about what it takes to be that. And if you don't have the mindset to do it, are you prepared for the disappointment when it fails? Yeah. You know, like nobody talks about the depression, the mental health issues, suicide, chemical abuse. I mean, the numbers are through the roof. The data is there, right? Some people would be much better being like a number two or a number seven in a company, kicking ass at what they're good at doing versus starting their own business and just going with all the, all the pain and headaches with that. Well, that's, that's the side of it, right? Buddy is like, you go from, it's not only the hard work and the, the cause of the cause and effect of that on your, your health, your, your energy, your adrenals, et cetera. But it is the disappointment and the ability to deal with failure, like hardcore failure, hardcore expectation. You know, when, when, when somebody's knocking on your door about the million dollars that they invested in your company and things aren't going well, that is a heavy weight to carry and 10 million and 20 million, you know, and that is, that is the, there's nothing glamorous about that. Right. You just, you just have to have the stomach and you have to have the mind to, to, to put aside, to compartmentalize so that you can focus on the job that needs to get done. And well, I mean, you're, you're in it. Like I've had a hard time you know, you know, with Cosan, which was my second follow-up to Naked, which had its very big highs and its very big lows, as you know. Um, playing more number two, number three in, in other people's companies the last five years than I have starting something very, very big and onerous myself, you know. Full disclosure, you know, and that's a, yeah. that's a result of like recovering from the last ones, <laughs> but you're full in it. <laughs> I, I, I remember, I mean, I, re, I remember you, listen, you were, you were grinding, man. I was like, you know, I was like, I used to, I used to feel for you, you know, because especially with, it's one thing when you're like, to put it in perspective, you know, I've, I've always been virtual, you know, even before COVID, you know, since 2014, I went 100% virtual when my wife and I had um, twins, Ethan and Savannah, you know, once she got pregnant with twins, because my old, you know, we mentioned, you mentioned I had four kids. So my, my two oldest, which are boys, Mm -hmm. Kyle and Justin, they're now 21 and 23, right? So they're, they're much older. My twins, Ethan and Savannah, now they're, they're both 10. But at the time when we found out that um, Serena, my wife was pregnant, it was like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Right. She's, she's corporate. You know, she, 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 you know, has to kind of, you know, kind of like, you know, she's beaten to a different drum. Like I'm self-employed. I can manage my own schedule. I can work late nights and make up hours and all that stuff. She has to be on that corporate schedule. So her schedule could not change. Um, whereas mine could. 
So did that change right in the there. pandemic for, for her? Did she it, kind of follow suit it, it, like everyone it, else did or well, not? You know, it, it, absolutely. In the beginning, especially in the beginning, you, you know, especially in the beginning, but you know, when you know, like they rewind back, like around that, you know, 2000, cause they were born in 2012. So like around 2011, like when, when I found out, I was like, okay, we're, I'm just going to go virtual. I kind of made the decision way back then that I was going to go fully virtual. And I was, that was when I was working on my web two projects. And I, I also had an agency that I was, you know, slowly building, but 2014 is when I really grew that agency and started like scaling it. So I, did that 100% virtual. Whereas previous to that, I had an office and it was all local and in-house and you were driving back and forth and we made those changes. But, but yeah, to, to your point on, on, on Serena and her job, when COVID hit, um, she did go virtual like everybody else. And because it's a fortune 500 company and there's more ex- risk exposure, right. They did not go back to hybrid and different things like smaller businesses. You know, if you were a smaller business, you're not really, your risk exposure is a lot lower. It's like people kind of want to go back to work. At least some people do. Whereas in a fortune 500 company with tens of thousands of employees, people are afraid to go back to work because there's so many people. And then there's the, of course, the liability. Well, Hey, what if somebody gets sick? Mm -hmm. Right. Or worse, what if something like happens to them where they end up in a hospital or worse, there's a death, God forbid, right? You know, there could be um, lawsuits and things like that. So it took a long time, not just for her company, but for really all Fortune 500 companies. We saw this in big tech, Google, Facebook, yep. you know, Twitter, everybody, they, they all really started to embrace those flex schedules to where maybe people were, were going in maybe like once a week or something like that. Did so, you think? Did you yeah. think in 2014 that when you did it, well, I guess even really before when you were thinking of it, that it, that it would become even like, even pre COVID that it would become what it became the, the virtual, the virtual employee, the virtual. I, I, yeah. I'm with, I follow you. So I, I honestly did. Right. I didn't really have a time frame on that. I knew that we would get to the point to where once, especially when zoom came out. Yeah. Right. Cause I was using that way back when, when did, when did zoom officially come out i was still I, I was still living in 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 new jersey so it was before i was in connecticut yeah i want to say honestly don't i honestly don't know the exact but most of us out. thought I'd it came out it during the pandemic <laughs> no no definitely no def, def, definitely not i, I want to say like you know 2018 or 2016 or something like that 2015 maybe is when it first came out. You'd have to look it up. I I honestly know the exact date, but I was using it for a few years, honestly, before that. Because I I remember when I was first doing virtual, we were doing like go to meetings, like go to meetings or like yeah, yeah I thing. remember. Yeah. But then it was like, but there was like limitations, and I remember a, a friend of mine invited me to a meeting, and it was like he was using Zoom, and you know, he, you know that it was actually my attorney at the time. Who invited me to a you know to his to a Zoom meeting? I know what Zoom was like. What the heck is a Zoom thing? Let's do a go to meeting. That, that's all I knew, you know. And WebEx. I was like, well, this, yeah, right, right. Yeah, WebEx is another one. I was like, man, this is actually a pretty cool experience. I, I, I and it was cheap. Like they came out like cheaper than anyone because you know mm-hmm. go to meeting. You know that that added up for a while, especially if you're going to be able to have it to where you could have a lot of people join at one time. Because you weren't you weren't having like not you like. In general, we, people weren't having Skype meetings, FaceTime meetings then, right? Like that, no, that was, it wasn't really a thing. 
It was so 2014 when I when I really kicked my agency off in the high gear. We were totally using Skype because I was because I because I was offshore. Like at, at 2014 is when I by that time period I had gone through all the pain and of of finding out like what country I could, you know, work with different developers in because I was truly trying to go offshore. Now I had my, I had a core group of developers and people like locally in the States that I've always worked with, but I want to like expand it out. Plus, you know, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like you want to be able to, to, to cater to small businesses and, 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 and mid-sized businesses and even startups. Like I'm passionate about working with startups. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, it's just, it's just where I like to be. You know what I mean? Like I love, that whole kind of like shoot from the hip entrepreneurial, yeah. you know, drive that people have to be able to think outside the box, quickly execute on ideas, like things you don't see in the corporate world. Like I don't want to have to wait for, you know, a bunch of 80 year old board members to make a decision on something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want people that are like, I want, I want to work with the CEO who's also a coder <laughs> who's rolling up his sleeves. Right. And, and getting things done. Right. So it, I just, I've always gravitated to that. And it, it's, and it's always worked, but the, but the thing, the, I guess the, the, the negative side of that is, is the budget side of things. Like yeah. they can't spend $200 an hour. They're not going to pay a $50,000 retainer upfront to, for you to do a brand, a brand strategy with them. Right. So you need to be able to charge, you know, a smaller fee. So to do that, you have to go offshore. And I spent many years before 2014, like perfecting that like finding out the best countries to work with. And so sure enough, I landed in Europe and Armenia, which not only is an amazing country with an amazing culture, I've, I've been there, but it's a hidden gem, you know? And I'm probably giving this away to your whole audience here. Anybody wants to get out there and start an agency, but you know, Eurovin is like literally its own little Silicon Valley. The, the technology there and they're now they're like super crypto friendly, the government, everything else. There's a lot of web free, like blockchain, you know, dev shops opening up over there because the government's so friendly with crypto, but they are some hardworking, hungry people that just want to learn and evolve and better themselves in the technology space. And you know, just some of the nicest people. When you were, when you were in Armenia and you are working with these developers out of Armenia to run your business. Was this through Upwork? Was this a five? Like, no, Fiverr wasn't around back then. Was Upwork around or how were you sourcing? Okay. So Upwork bought Elance, if I remember mm. the timeline correctly. So I think it was Elance actually. And not, you know, and, and I actually still use Upwork at times if it's something that's a little bit outside of what, what I staff for, because, you know, like our shop right now, at one point I was up to a total of 15, you know, because we have an office out in Yerevan. Um, I have a partner out there that runs my, that, that, that helps in running my team, especially because they're on a whole different set of hours. Like they're, depending on what, you know, time of the year it is, right. They're either like five or six hours uh, ahead of us. So, you know, they're starting a lot earlier than we start, you know, so I have an, I have an amazing partner out there who, you know, runs, the, you know, runs our teams and, you know, we had it up to, to 15 at one time right now we're, you know, right around a dozen or so total with, with project managers. So, you know, we're a boutique size shop and, you know, we do enterprise, anything from enterprise, everything, anything from like custom enterprise applications, you know, e-com uh, down to, you know, just, just WordPress marketing websites. So we kind of cater to everybody, you know, all sorts of vertical markets. Um, can I ask, yeah, can no, I ask you a question? Yeah. Like, cause what's, what I'm getting from you, Aaron is, and I, and I know I knew parts of the story, 
but some, but the theme I didn't quite put together just until now. And that's your, I'm toting your, your own horn here, but your ability to cite where the trend is going ahead of the trend. And where I'm going to back that into is, you know, we talked about like Zoom. So for one, Zoom is staring us in, you know, in the face seven years before, eight, six years before it's the, the number one stock talked about, et cetera, et cetera, because of COVID. Right. Virtual. And I'm, I'm trying to segue this back to, because I want to frame it in a way that an entrepreneur or somebody can maybe see the world the way you do. And maybe the best place to do that, and what, sorry, just one more digression, see the world the way you do in, in understanding your thought process in these things, because you are, you are so far ahead often. And you know, again, you're early NFT, uh, blockchain, et cetera, which we'll get to. But let's go back to like web one days where like, again, you're, you're all in. You're all in when headlines are reading bubble and, and, but yet you know, or you must know that, okay, maybe the bubble will burst, but that doesn't mean the world not change forever, you know, as a result of. You know, but, but you know what, back, so just to, I guess, to just interject there for, yeah, for a yeah. second. So if, when you go back to, I mean, you know, here I am now, like today, so you know, I'm 49 years old and going back to web one, you know, I was literally in college, right. Building websites, right. That was like web one, like web just started, you know, I was, we were still doing, everybody's doing like dial up AOL and stuff like that. I'll never forget it. I was actually making good money building websites part-time while going to school. I had it. And some of the, you know, some of the Gen Xers that are, you know, in your audience, they'll, they'll appreciate this. I was able to afford to get a, an ISDN line in my, uh, in, in my apartment. Right. And people would come over and see that. And they're like, what the heck's this? It's like a huge modem. And, you know, it just, it looked very much different than your dial-up access, you know, the whole, you know, 28.8K modem that you're downloading at nighttime and then waking up to wait, you know, for it to be, to, to finish. So, so ISDN, it was 128K instead of 28.8K basically. Right. But we were doing that to be able to, you know, I was, we were doing websites. This is like HTML 1.0. You know, that's just kind of how it started. And I remember when, you know, I, that was back when I was helping to build some of the early um, ISPs down in South Florida, Cybergate was one of them. And, and a company in New Jersey, you know, saw my work, right? Because I was out there trying to, I, I wanted to move back to New Jersey. So I was kind of getting my resume out there, old school way fax machine, right? The, the, the different, you the different like, recruiters. Like <laughs> well, well, you know what, because I had to send it to recruiters, you know, I had to send it to recruiters and stuff like that. And not everybody was using emails still, which crazy, you know, how, when I think back to the stuff we used to use to, to, to communicate and, and it was a company, um, the company was called design FX interactive back then. You, so they were basically an agency, a digital agency. Back then we called them digital strategy shops. And, and then they brought me on board to basically be their CTO is what ended up happening because um, they saw all the stuff that I was doing with building out these ISPs. And, you know, they were trying to build themselves out as one of the largest um, digital strategy shops in the Northeast. They were based out of New Jersey, which is my hometown. So 
So yeah, it, back in those days, we were doing like um, it was. Uh, a, a, I remember it was it was a, a layer cold fusion was the program programming language we were using. Uh, that was you know, which I'm sure you don't even know the name, but you know that's what we, that, that's how old this was. And we were building um, like basically the, some of the first e-commerce applications like shopping cart software, mm-hmm. so you could actually buy you know transact online. And I'll never forget it. It didn't even really go anywhere. Right. Because nobody would put their credit card online. Right. I mean, I, I remember even with, with my mom, I, I was just joking with her when I saw her for her birthday last month um, when I was up visiting New Jersey. You know, like I remember back in those days when like Amazon first came out, like way back. And she would never, I used to tell her, just, just get it on Amazon. Just get it. Right. It's like, it's super convenient. Like that generation would never put their credit card online. You know, so it's, so what's interesting is this, you know, every, evolution of the internet it's the same story yeah right it's the fear right that fud the fear the uncertainty and the and and doubt of of the technology that is at hand so i think you know what to your point like i guess what i've been good at is and this is more just me being a total nerd with the whole stuff with all this stuff and, and just being passionate about technology is when 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 a new technology hits i can kind of get a a feel for if it's something that's going to really, really take off or not. Like, quickly. you know, like, like, well, like quickly. And, but, but not always too, because I'll, I'll, I'll share a mistake that I totally regret. And then, and that's Bitcoin, you know, when, when Bitcoin came, uh, you know, first came out, like in 2009, it was around 2011. I mean, back then it was probably like under a dollar or around a dollar or something, you know, a a friend of mine who was an entrepreneur came up to me and wanted to set up a, a a whole, you know, warehouse full of like Bitcoin mining rigs. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, this is, this is the future of, you know, of currency, stuff like that. And the funny thing is I was such a darn nerd with the whole thing. I love the technology, like in terms like the underlying technology blockchain, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is going to like really serve a purpose for, you know, you know, for basically, cause it was decentralized, you know, currency. And like, I was thinking more like, Hey, decentralized applications of the future. Like I'm thinking like software. Yeah. Cause to me, cause to me, that's all it was like to me, Bitcoin was software. That's how I viewed it. And that was just more of the geek in me. Right. But I never saw it as a currency because I thought governments will never allow this. It's going to compete against the U. It's going to compete against the U.S. dollar. So yeah. I thought it would just like it would never get legs. And and at the time is when I was involved with another startup, so I didn't have the time anyway, unless I really wanted to like burn the counter candle at both ends. So I turned it down. Oh. <laughs> and and, uh, and we wouldn't and, be having this conversation. You'd be. <laughs> I, I'd be on an island. Somewhere. You'd, be, you'd own the island, and you'd be on uh-huh. it. I, even even yeah. two two years ago, three years ago. People were still saying the same thing. Blockchain, yes. Bitcoin, coin, no. Like it was all about the underlying technology of the blockchain. 26, 20, 2016, I took it seriously. I got involved yeah. in 2016 as an investor. Yeah, 2016, I got involved. You know, so I, I was taking it seriously. But, but, but smart but even, people, to your yeah. point, not that long yeah. ago, were still very doubtful on it as a currency. And I don't know if that's a, if that's almost a sheer act of, of will and the right influencers behind it or if there was another factor that drove it to where it is today so so you said it right there so on on both sides there was another factor that drove it down a negative path 
because what happened when now fast forward today, like you can see a lot. And, you know, this is, this is my opinion, by the way, this, I'm not going to claim this as fact. This is my humble opinion. Um, just by kind of reading the market and, and, and just how the mainstream media has been involved in governments and things, you know, I think there was a, a, a pivotal point when governments realized that, okay, we can't stop this mm. because when something is so big, right. And it's global and it's, on, and it's like, you know, on, it's being run by decentralized networks, like basically nodes that are doing like proof of work. And there's no way to, to take down the network. I mean, you'd have to like, or even like the, that's why they say you, it's never been hacked because you'd have to, you'd have to take control of 51% of the network. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and how are you going to do that? We're talking about, you know, thousands and thousands of computers all over the world that like, you don't even know where they are. Right. So there was, a, I think, a pivotal point to where large institutions were like, okay, this is clearly the future. We can't stop it, but we have to. So we have to get involved. So you know how to like these, but these large banks, they all kind of commiserate, you know, under behind closed doors when, you know, where nobody's, you know, when we're nobody's listening. And, you know, I think they were just like, okay, well, we need to be able to get the price down, right? Or at least stall it so we can get involved. Because remember, yeah. it's a little bit different when you have people like individuals like us that want to get involved with something, we can move very quickly, right? We can quickly decide, I'm going to buy this. And, you know, we're very, or startups can develop an application, right? Like adapt a centralized application to, or in, and launch some kind of product on the, on the blockchain. We can move and we can move in, in, in shake very quickly. Governments and institutions, financial institutions that are like SEC governed and things like that, they can't, it takes, it's policy. There's so much policy around it. So they knew they would need years, right? To kind of get things, you know, approved, you know, by, you know, like governments and, 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 you know, and, you know, institutions like the SEC and stuff like that. So the only thing that they could do to guarantee that they would be able to kind of like get into this thing early on enough and make money at it is by keeping the price down, uh, you know, to their favor so they could be buying in. And it's the only thing that makes sense to me because for the longest time, there was so much press, just like, just poo-pooing it. You know what I mean? And I even remember, I remember when Wells Fargo sent a memo to their entire staff that not only could they not pitch or talk about Bitcoin or crypto of any kind to their customers, they couldn't even own it. Like they literally said, you can't own it. I don't know how they could enforce that, of course, because they're anonymous wallets. But I, I remember when that memo got sent out that I saw that somebody shared with me. And, and then it was like years later, of course, now they have, now they're, they're selling crypto, right? Bank of America, large, you know, PayPal, everybody's like in the game. And it's funny, it's like, and, and then you'd have like, you know, things that, like world events that happen, you know, like we've seen it now, right? We've seen it with, uh, with Canada and, and the truckers thing, right? Where they had all their accounts, uh, their bank accounts seized. So well, it, it not just them, just to, I, you know, I don't know how closely you followed that, but they, when they passed the emergency act, they jammed through a number of, of laws around uh, financial disclosure and regulation and, and you know, far reaching laws where you know, they've effectively regulated it. You can't have an anonymous Bitcoin account or, or a cryptocurrency account in Canada anymore. They can, they can right, ask right. you, <laughs> You know, they can ask you to disclose it. I just had this happen to a buddy the other day. He was moving 50 grand, a very small amount of money <laughs> relative to, you know, what this was. And, and they, they blocked it and they froze it until he disclosed because he owned both accounts, um, that it was his own account that he was sending 
the the funds uh, to. So you're you're, ta- you're probably talking about the exchange because he had it because obviously no yes. government, no institution could will know what you have inside of a wallet. Like for example, if your buddy had like a mining rig and he was like a node on the network mining Bitcoin and getting you know paid out in Bitcoin in a private wallet, no one could ever stop that. No one would ever know about it. But if, the second you take that Bitcoin and you transfer it to an exchange wallet to sell it. Well, then, yeah, if your government's on top of those exchanges and they would absolutely know and they could obviously. Yeah, no, you're, you're because, right. Because that's a custodial wallet. That's the yeah. problem. Whenever, that's why we tell people, even in, in our project right now, we educate people, don't ever keep your, your crypto inside of like your Coinbase account wallet. That's a custodial wallet, right? You technically don't own that. You know, yes, it's in your account. You can see it in your portfolio. But if any, if, you know, if the shit hits the fan, right, technically it could be seized, you know, mm-hmm. the safest, the safest place for your crypto is going to be in a, in, in, a, in a private wallet, right. Or even better, you know, in one of a, I have a new one right here in front of me in one of these things, which is a, a ledger nano X's, you know, one type of a cold storage wallet or, you know, a, a treasure, you know, or whatever. Hmm. So. Well, yeah, shows you how much I know about the about it. You know, not totally understanding. It, yeah, you're right. Now that you say that, though, it was an exchange that they cited. I think it was FinTrack, which regulates. Yeah, it makes, from, it, 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 it makes it makes it, it makes it makes total sense. But you know, but it's funny when you look at history, though, and like you know, other countries to where you know, it's, it's like Venezuela, you know, yeah. like countries that um, you know try to move to communism, and then you know they obviously kind of went down the crapper, right? You had, you would have all sorts of assets being seized, you know, uh, land, like people think land is an asset. Well, of course it's an asset. I mean, here in the United States, land is booming right now. Real estate is booming right now. And while that might be the case, it, nothing's ever guaranteed, right? If the shit hits the fan, could the government come in and seize that land for whatever reason? Well, the answer is, Yes. I mean, I would hope it would never come to that, but the answer is simply yes. Can bank accounts be seized and frozen? Absolutely. Um, any real physical asset right, can be seized or frozen. I mean, even gold is troublesome, right? Like you can't exactly move gold around like of any value. If you want to have a million dollars in gold bullion, like what are you going to do with that? Throw it into a backpack? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? How are you getting that across the border? You could have a billion dollars of crypto and a little USB stick and stick it in your sock, you know? And, and even if you, you know, lose that or it breaks or it gets damaged, as long as you have your seed phrase, you can get it loaded back up onto another device. It's like, it's one of those things that it's, it's not impossible, but it's very hard for somebody to take your digital assets um, if you're taking care of those the right way. Most people, myself included, have no clue how to take care of their digital assets the right way. You know, we'll have a little ETH, a little, you know, whatever we have, but 90% of what you just said, I have not taken into consideration. Now, 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 now perfect. This is, this is a perfect segue. So, so, you know, Haka Labs, right? Yeah. The company that I'm that I'm co-founder of. Um, there's 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 six six founders in this company, all amazing, super smart guys, right? That came together and you know started putting this thing together since fall last fall. One of the things that we built this entire company upon is education, right? And you get to see a little bit of that, right? You know, with our 
you know, two Zoom calls every single week, you know, one for status updates and Q&A, one for education, you know. I've never, we, ever, ever seen something so organized. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a holder of, of your guys, a few of your NFTs, and it's, it's phenomenal. You know, how you, when did you, how did you decide to say, we are going to be this diligent on educating our our followers, our backers, our the owners of our NFTs, et cetera. Yeah. So, so when, when my friend Brett, right. So Brett Somerville, AKA Dr. Dick Doofus, that's his alias, right. We all have our aliases, <laughs> you know, my, my, mine's chef X. So we all have our, we all have our, you know, goofy aliases, but, you know, Brett and I were, you know, really good friends um, ever since kindergarten and, you know, just growing up. And even after we both went our separate ways, went to school um, we were both in the tech space at the time. Uh, he transitioned into something differently later, but, you know, he was, uh, you know, I believe he was working for AT&T, uh, you know, doing like, like Cisco router programming and stuff back. So we, we've always stayed in communication, you know, throughout our whole life together. And, you know, he came to me uh, after he kind of like got the starts of this company together with a few of the other founders Right. He, he came up with the original idea and everything else. And it was kind of funny because in the beginning, you couldn't even have a conversation with the guy. Right. He's making everybody sign NDAs. You know, it was very cloak and dagger. So he knew uh, you know, that I was into crypto, you know, for years and years. And obviously, I, you know, I have my knowledge in, you know, in, in IT and and running development teams and things like that. So he kind of came to me and you know, after a lot of conversation, you know, we wanted to do something really special with this project. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of amazing ideas coming from everybody. And then we decided to like, you know, put together what exists today, which is what's on our roadmap, you know, which is the NFT project, which is all the, the IRL, uh, you know, in real life experiences the, the events and, you know, tons of, free airdrops lined up for down the road, you know, new NFT collections, uh, a, a metaverse play to earn video game, and then our own cryptocurrency. Like we have a packed roadmap on our website, tribekawaka.com, uh, you know, that people can see that roadmap on. And, but one of the things that we talked about from early on was, and this is, this is just good information for you, for you and everybody to know is while the crypto space is more vast, like a larger, you know, community of, of, of individuals and of investors of hobbyists, whatever you want to call them. You could say that's in the millions of people, right? Well, there's micros within the, the overall, you know, blockchain, right? So blockchain is the underlying technology, as you know, cryptocurrency is one of the things that sits on top of that technology. Well, NFTs, non-fungible tokens sits on that technology, metaverse gaming, DeFi. There's all these different things that sit on top of that underlying technology, right? Blockchain. So when it, as it relates to NFTs, there's roughly about a half a million people like actively in that space. And it's constantly growing. It was like a year, not even a year ago, I think like six, nine months ago, I, I read it was like a 400,000. They were probably at, you know, just past 500,000 now. But when you who think about it, it, like 500,000 people who actually yeah, own like, it, you know, like ballpark, you know, ballpark. ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. 500,000 plus people that actually own, yeah, right. They actually own one. They, you know, not that they've heard of it, but they, they partake in the space. They, the, the, you know, they, they're owners of an NFT. Like That's they shockingly are, they, small. What, 
it's unbelievably small. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure that number is just, just growing by the day because they've ever since board apes and all the, and you know, um, there's people and, and then crypto punks, like now the, like the writings on the wall, people see how successful some of these projects have been mm-hmm. where NFTs are worth millions of dollars, you know, the, the blue chips anyway, you know, that we're lucky to kind of get those valuations. Uh, I think more and more people by the droves are flocking in every single day, but here's the thing. And this has always been the case of crypto, you know, scams are just everywhere. Right. And largely or largely a lot of them are phishing scams. These scams have existed before NFTs, right? These scams have existed ever since, um, crypto wallets have existed because the one thing that you do when you create a crypto wallet and you did this yourself is you you had to create a seed phrase, right? Those 12 words, those randomly generated words, you know, those words, those 12 words are the keys to your kingdom, right? If anyone was to get that seed phrase, they could take everything out of your wallet because they could use that those that seed phrase to basically restore a new restore all the all those assets into a new wallet. Mm-hmm. So that's why whenever you set up a, a wallet for the first time and they give you your seed phrase, you're supposed to write it on paper, never save it to a computer, you're not take a picture of it with your phone. You know, you, you want to have it in a safe place. You like, you know, like like me, I keep it in a in a fireproof, <laughs> you know, kind of bag. And you know, I have that sucker locked up in a safety deposit box somewhere. Like I need to make sure that it's gonna be safe. And usually you'll have like more than one copy, you know, keep it like you know, two or three copies in different safe places because that is the keys to your kingdom. Like you don't want anybody to have that. Well, ever since the beginning, there's always been these phishing scams where you'll get like an email or you'll get like a notification in Telegram or a Discord or whatever community you're part of where they're posing as like the company. It's kind of like that. I'm sure you've gotten these um, before, like when you PayPal was a big one that this would happen with, you would get an email from PayPal, right? And it would look like our genuine PayPal email and they would give you a link to basically like log in with your password to, to check your account because they would say there was an unauthorized access to your account and you would log in your password. Yeah. Well, all you just did was just, you just gave the hackers your password yeah. and then they would log into your account and drain it. But that was a big thing up until you had 2FA, right? Two-factor authentication. And, you know, that kind of like solved that problem for the most part, as long as you had that activated. But there's no, you know, when it comes to your, your crypto wallet, you know, two-factor authentication doesn't mean anything when somebody has your seed phrase. Mm-hmm. So given the severity of that and, and knowing how innocent people can lose their funds very, very quickly, lose their digital assets, we decided from the very beginning that education was going to be a huge part of this because it wasn't, you know, as much as we love getting all the crypto guys in, you know, the OGs of the, you know, in the NFT space to have them part of your project and get them out there, you know, just word of mouth marketing is obviously awesome. We wanted to do something that was different and, and, and educate newbies, people that have never even heard of an NFT, right? But we're curious, right? Or people that have heard of an NFT, uh, but they've never minted one or they've never bought one. Maybe they're scared and, of getting into the space, you know, because again, there's that like that fear, uncertainty, doubt, right? Like, you know, they yeah. hear about scams and all, and, and all that stuff. And a learning so, curve without, without, you know, the trust and assurance of maybe a broker or something like that. Yeah. You know, like inside the system to, to, to lead you to the promised land. It's, it's not there yet. 
it's not that user friendly. It's not like, no. like, you know, like you set up an E-Trade account, right? And then you can have somebody on the phone mm-hmm. walking you through it. I need like, like an E-Trade, E-Trade broker or something like that, right? Because uh, I remember way back in, it was like the 90s, late 90s, mid 90s, when I set up my first online trading. I was, doing, I was doing online trading for the first time and it was E-Trade that I was mm-hmm. using. You know, I never forget how how easy it was. Like, you know, you just you just do the transfer, you transfer your money there, it's in your account. Great. I don't understand stuff, make a phone call, chat, whatever. You have all the support in the world. That doesn't exist yeah. in this space. There's no phone number. If if if, if you know if you do <laughs> the wrong thing, if you do the wrong thing, you're 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 losing your assets. Yeah, you yeah. know, like like literally. So so we you know, we made the decision from the very beginning that we were gonna do in-depth training, we're gonna teach people. Well, first of all, what the heck an NFT even is? Like, what you know, what gives it the value? Um, not just about the fact that hey, it's a cool looking JPEG, but that there's an you know the, the real value is the token and the utility behind it. You know, utility being like, what is this you know NFT getting you access to? In in our case, it's both you know tangible uh, you know just tangibility in the real world, as well as well as tangibility um, with digital goods. So like you know. At, you know what we're going to be doing with our metaverse game um and also to like our nfts um accumulate tokens every single day can you just explain that the token piece that yeah so 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 before i do so before I, I jump to that let me just i'm going to back up just for one second just back to the education piece yeah you know me i'm always having like five conversations at the same time <laughs> you know you know how my brain works so so on, so on the educational piece we wanted to be able to give people you know just kind of like that hand holding experience. Like, listen, there's nothing to fear here. Just follow our instruction. And we're going to tell you how to play, how to do things safely. We're going to tell you how to avoid the scams and show you everything you need to do to not only understand an NFT, what it is on the, on the surface, what it is as a technology, but not only that, how to set up your, you know, an exchange account, right? So we like Coinbase is kind of like the biggest name and they're the easiest so we were we, we used Coinbase as the example, and we were showing people through Zoom calls and just videos, like because we were doing this ourselves, right? Like we were we were basically trading brand new accounts across the board for everything, just to use for the training series, you know. So it was like how to you know how to set up Coinbase properly and 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 get verified, you know, how to buy Ethereum, you know, on Coinbase how to set up a MetaMask wallet, how to set up a Coinbase wallet, how to transfer your Ethereum and do test transfers to make sure you got the right address and like just how to do things the proper way, the proper steps. And what ended up happening is we accumulated this large educational um, database really of videos and instructions where every single, you know, every week we would tackle a new topic and you'd have a video walkthrough instruction of everything. And you'd have a PDF handout mm-hmm. of all the steps mapped out both visually and in text, right? Step by step by step to where there's like, as long as you attended the trainings or watched them on demand and just did it, you know, you know, on, you know, offline on your own, there's really no way you could screw up. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what ended up happening, right? Everyone in the community that we were growing like low and slow, like this was a grassroots operation. We were literally going out to our local friends, family, business contacts, like personal contacts, right? You know, all of us, like all the founders, like there's six of us, you know, one person tells one person, it just kind of went viral from there. It was like, you know, that one, two to three degrees of separation. So out of 8,000 NFTs, we had 
probably had 6,000, 6,500 NFTs pre-sold. Yeah. By, 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 our, by our community. And that was all done through um, in real life events. We were doing um, in-person, uh, you know, uh, you know, like pre-launch events. We did a huge pre-launch event in mid-December. And then we were doing like in-person training events on top of all the Zoom, you know, uh, trainings that we were doing. So, and then people would start telling people we were doing contests, like all sorts of really cool stuff. We were, we probably, I think we probably gave away between somewhere, I think we gave away somewhere around $25,000 in Ethereum, mm-hmm. right? Over the course of like six weeks or five weeks, whatever it was, where every single week we were, you know, we, we set up these different contests where people would, you know, invite people into the community. And, you know, there were certain metrics you had to hit, right? And if you hit, hit these metrics, you would be, um, part of the giveaway and we would just raffle off from there. And, you know, we were giving away thousands of dollars of ETH every single week. And it was awesome. And, and also free NFTs and NFT whitelist spots. It was, we, we really gamified everything and made it like very, very fun for, you know, for the whole community. So, so, so yeah, and that, that really helped to just, you know, not just build a community, like, like there's, you know, all projects have a community, you know, all projects have a discord community where, you know, people are part of the project. But I think what, what has always been so unique about us is that it's that grassroots it's that these are people that we have in real life relationships with, right? Yeah. These aren't people that we're meeting online where we don't know who they are. We don't know their history or their backgrounds. Like these are a lot of people that we went to school with or, you know, like it's the father of somebody, right. Or the, or the son of somebody, right. It just, these, these are, these are real relationships or they're just friends of friends because again, we got to that one, two, three degree of separation. You know, it, it's, it just reminds me, well, what we were talking about earlier with our, with the challenges of entrepreneurship is that no matter whether it's web one, web two, or web three, a startup is a startup and a startup is, is blood, sweat, and tears. It's, it's love money. It's it's getting out and spreading your story and working your story and and continuing to to build your your tribe of of people who are gonna again push out your product or whatever it is. You know whether it's a Kickstarter campaign for a, a soft good or a hard good or or an NFT. It's like the it's the same journey, right? And and it, no matter what, like because I think that one of the common mistakes about I could be wrong. But on the outset, when you look at Web three and you look at Web two to to an extent, you just see like, oh, somebody got rich like that, or somebody like did something yeah. like that, and it's like, no, like you have been fucking in the trenches, <laughs> you know, for eons. Well, I mean, eons in terms of just the hours building this brick by brick, bird by bird, yeah. right? Not not oh, we put out an NFT and then so and so bought it and then we all made millions of dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's a, you're, dude, you're hundred percent right. And that's what people always see, right? They say that about everybody, you know, it's like, I mean, before Elon Musk used to talk about all of his, you know, dark secrets, right. Of what he went through starting his companies. I mean, oh, well, look how easy it is for him. I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's always easy when you see the other person do it, but they don't realize the failures that it took um, leading up with that. Right. Like, yeah, sure. You know, we built you know, and I'm being very honest here, you know, very transparent. There's not a single thing. There was not a roadblock, a hiccup, nothing with this project, mm. you know, like exactly how we planned it is exactly how it was executed and, and how it, and, and, and the result that we got. And, and it's hard for, I think anyone to say that, but that wasn't luck. 
right? Yeah, that was, I was just, I was just going to say that wasn't luck. <laughs> so, 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 so one of our founders, um, Chris Miles, owns Miles Technologies, which is one of the largest IT companies in the entire Northeast. Very successful company. You know, he has uh, an ERP system that he's built over the past ten years and probably sunk twenty five million dollars into. And you know, this system which handles project management, accounting, contracts. You name it. It's like the entire back office of, you know, what a large enterprise would use. We're using that to run our company. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're managing the way that we're managing all of our members. You know, it just we're we're, we're we've treated this um, exactly uh, how we should treat any business, you know, like NFTs. It's people kind of have been shooting from the hip with the whole thing. And, and honestly, there is a little luck involved, like, you know, like the board apes. That that the Warrior Yacht Club, you know, a couple of guys, you know, they were very much anonymous up until not that all that long ago. And they weren't doxxed when they launched that project. They were completely anonymous. I think it was they it was that they either borrowed their money from their parents or they put it on credit cards, uh, you know, one of the two, a few thousand bucks or whatever, just to kind of get it together. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, celebrities kind of started taking hold of the, you know, of the NFTs that it really started to kind of get legs. And it was really that drive. It was the influencers and the celebrities that were owners of these things. You know, when you have like, you know, Paris Hilton and yeah. Jimmy Fallon, you know, like flexing their, their, their board apes and, you know, talking about how their board ape reminds them of themselves. Like that's how, or, or Stephen Curry, right? Pro yeah, ball player. Steph, Steph Curry. Steph Curry sorry, the, sorry, the, Steve, yeah, Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah. no, the, fund, the fundamentals are, are like, they're, they're the same. And that's the message in this. It's like what you just described to me and what I saw day one was that, you know, if I'm looking to make an investment, I'm looking, yes, I'm looking at the horse, but it's the jockeys that are going to bring, you know, it's the jockey that I really wanted to get to know and understand just how dedicated that jockey is, you know, the entrepreneur to, and that's what you guys were. It was like a meticulous, cohesive everybody's rowing in the same direction. The egos are not in the room. And this is what you do. Like you deliver it without a hitch. And I I think that so many projects could go better if they had a, you know, group of guys, group of gals, whatever, like you are in this, in this business where you just, it was just lockstep, hard work, boom, boom, boom. But it only got there because of, because of our own histories, you know, like, like, like Brett, he's, and that he's, He's, his mind's amazing. Like he's a, he's a great creative and, and the creative process that he's able to, you know, take from his brain and then um, communicate that right to our illustrators and, you know, the, the creators within our company to be able to, you know, articulate and communicate what's in his brain essentially to where we can actually get it down on, on paper, you know, down on the computer. Um, so you can kind of bring those ideas to life. Like that process is it's that's not an easy process. That's something that's that's gifted. You know, not everybody can 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 do that. And then, you know, everyone else, all the other founders, you know, we all come from very unique backgrounds to where we're able to bring our our talents individually um into the company uh to, to bring to, to provide some sort of value. And it's taking years. Like, listen, I mean, I've made tons of mistakes over the course of my 25, 26 plus years, you know, in the industry, you, you constantly learn and evolve and, you know, and get better over time. But, you know, when you fast forward that, you know, decades later, and, and, and here we are in, 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 you know, the web three 
space and doing it, you know, an NFT project metaverse. It, it is. I mean, things come together very quickly because you know it works, you know it doesn't work. And we just happened to make the decision. And listen, we didn't know either because there's no historical data on NFTs. It's right. it's only really been here for, I mean, Bored Apes, they started up a year ago. It was like April, May last year. They're a year old. That's it. Like, and already worth a few billion, right? So, and then, you know, crypto punks before them. So, you know, maybe you're two years in. I mean, technically they're around since 2015, I think, but, you know, no one really knew about what they were. It was more of just the idea. They have, they, they, they didn't get, they didn't really pick up any steam really until the past year. So there's no real bit as a business, right? right? You know that. There's, no, there's no real model. No so everybody, every, everybody does the same exact thing. You know, it's like they, they, they hire an influencer or like maybe they, either they use their own capital or they raise some capital. They, they hire influencers where they pay for ads and they try to just build up all this buzz, grow a community, sell it. And then just, you know, either it's a rug pull and by rug pull, I mean that they created it. They created the project, they created the NFT, they created the community, but they have no intention of doing anything else with it. Right. The purpose of the creation of the, of the project was simply to, to create 10,000 NFTs, 5,000, whatever the number is, sell those out, right? They're selling them for, you know, 200, 300, 500 hours a piece, you know, make their, you know, million, few million, and then that's it. They just kind of walk away and eventually the whole thing will kind of like dissolve and uh, the value of these things will go to zero. Yeah. And that's, and that was something I wanted to, to talk about a little bit because Obviously, you guys have a roadmap to the future, and we can we can talk about that. But more, maybe what's what's even more interesting to to myself and to is what you think of the NFT space in general and the use case for this medium, regardless of a JPEG that's cool and quirky, and and you own you know one of five, one of a thousand, one of eight, 10,000, whatever the case is. Right. 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 Cause you're, cause again, back to the future, right? Like you are always thinking about the future. You can't, you must be thinking 10 steps ahead, NFT, 10 steps ahead, mm-hmm. blockchain, metaverse, et cetera, et cetera. Did you want to weigh in a little bit on that? And, and again, feel free to, to, to bring it back to tribe Kawaka. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, no I, don't, I don't want to make it all about me. I mean, I think it's important. Again, this this listen, this falls right in line with the educational piece because I think people need to be educated. So, in again, in my humble opinion, and this is you know no different than looking at listen, history repeats itself. dot com, right? <clears throat> Go back to nineteen ninety six. There was a website out there. Maybe you heard of it called fuckedcompany.com. dot com. I don't know if you remember that. What, I, know what younger, I, I, I know you're younger than me. Fuckedcompany.com. <laughs> Sounds like one of my last businesses, yeah. though. Don't, 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 mean, don't mean to drop an, an F-bomb here on the show, but uh, that was a real website. And uh, it was hilarious like and scary at the same time. You would literally watch that website every day. And it was a real-time list. It was out of, The guy that did it um, was, was out of Silicon Valley. Uh, that they created the site because so many of these dot coms were going bust, right? Because remember, remember I said earlier, like it's it's like back in those days, if you had an idea and dot com was on the end of the name, right? <laughs> you could you could raise you know three million, five million dollars on a cocktail napkin. Yeah. It was that easy. That's how crazy those days were. Well, what happened? Everybody caught you know wind of this, 
and they just started doing it just for the hit. And, it, and the goal, the goal wasn't even to make money. That's how insane it was. Like these dot-com companies, their version of making money was like, I'm going to go public. That was the exit strategy. I'm going public. Not we're going to build a business and we're going to generate revenue. We're going to change lives. We're going to like pioneer in industry. None of that stuff. Now there were companies that were like that. Obviously, Amazon, right, came out of that. Netflix came out of that. There's absolute company. There's companies that absolutely came out of that and, and did it right. But 98% of those companies went to zero. Mm-hmm. Right? They went to zero. Now, what happened with cryptocurrencies? Remember back. In 2017, when Bitcoin blew its top and it was like 20 grand, it hit, I think it hit like 20 grand, just under 20 grand. And then all of a sudden, like the next day, it started like kind of like tanking down. Yeah. But like that blow off top moment when it, when it peaked out at like 20K in 2017, it was November 2017. I, I'll, it was like from that moment, it was like for the next year, it was like rapid fire machine gun. Just coin after coin after coin was like they they were doing these ICOs, these initial coin offerings, which is kind of like doing an IPO in the stock world, um, like every day. And in the the coin list, if you were on Coin Market Cap, right, looking at all the different you know you know coins and tokens, it was you know just thousands. It was it just it just it wouldn't stop growing, and same deal, right? To the you know between then and now. So many of those coins have gone to zero, or maybe they're still there, but there's no trading volume. It's basically going to go to zero. Um, you know, it, it's the same exact deal. You know, so with the NFTs that we're talking about right now, and with metaverse gaming, it's all the same thing. You have a lot of people that are in the space that are scumbags, right? They're in it for the money. It's a rug pull, and they are spending a lot of good money because they have investors, or they they're, they're just bootstrapping it themselves. They're able to like you know. It doesn't take a lot of money, right? You know, $25,000, you build a website. You know, I mean, $100,000, you can have your website, you can have your white paper, you can have marketing, you can like, you know, you can make a lot of things happen. So if you're a smart person and you can pay the right people and, and budget the right way, you can like really look good coming out. You know what I mean? And, you know, eventually build hype around it, right? And it will let it go up you know, you, you sell your tokens or whatever else and you, you know, you cash out and then the whole thing goes to zero at some point. So it, it's the same thing, you know, in the NFT space, right? 98% of these projects are going to go to zero, the rug pulls. And that's just the way it is. So, and this goes back into, so I, I can, you know, go back to Tribe Kawaka with our project because it's part of our education. You know, like we try to educate people with, with this stuff, not to mention the fact that we, you know, we, we do collapse. You know, so like tonight before, you know, we jumped on this call together, I was in a Twitter spaces uh, with the other founders and a, lo- and a lot of our community um, with the Bad Bears NFT project, you know, great project. They actually launched their token before their NFT. You know, they have a, they, they have their, um, their, their, their Mishka MSK token that you can buy and sell on the open exchange. Right. And this that token is going to be the currency in their metaverse and their NFTs are great. They have, you know, they, they airdropped um, serums and, you know, you, you can apply the serum to your um, bad bear, which is their NFT. And it creates a cub, you know, which is really cool. Bunch of, bunch of, bunch of great guys in that project, super passionate, super dedicated, community driven. Same deal as us. They want to see their community succeed. They want to, you know, obviously see themselves um, as a project succeed. So you, you just kind of being in the space, especially as founders, we can kind of pick apart and see, you know, you know, who are the other guys that are more, that are like-minded and, you know, you clap with them 
and and get involved with giveaways and or if the project hasn't launched yet, you know, whitelist spots to try to, you know, hook up your, your own community, you know. So we're, you know, we're, we're trying to continuously educate that even with things that we may recommend, you just have to always do your own research. Don't just listen to a DM or somebody pumping on a Discord. Like everybody has an incentive to do something. Nowadays, there's a lot of good YouTube channels out there with 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 NFT uh, influencers, educators, people that are not biased. They do not get paid promotions. You you kind of can figure out who does. Like they'll even say it. Like you know, there's there's a few that I follow uh you know on youtube and they'll come right out and tell you like you know there is no paid they don't accept any money any you know crypto nothing you know like they are doing like true non-biased reviews of products that are out there and uh it's just based basically their own opinion you know not financial advice yeah and i i want to i i want to be sensitive to your time and 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 jump to a few other things but just to, to bring home the the point is you know, again, it's, it's there's a quality of, you know, who are you dealing with, and and you know, and, and where are you, and how educated you are going into it, but also where is this going? And and like I look at it and I say, what makes a lot of sense? Like it's not just artwork; it's tickets, like the ticketing industry, where okay. this idea or the utility, know, the, the utility, the utility of the NFT, yeah, is I think where people need to also pay attention as an, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're, you know, just trying to get into it, it's like, okay, well, like five years from now, how do, how is this possibly part of the 2% that are sticking around? Not, and, and then, you know, not just in terms of the artwork, the artwork might be there forever, like great artwork is, or cool artwork is, or et cetera. But what utility, like how can they look and say, Netflix, pre-blockbuster with an NFT, right? It's like starting to try and play it through their mind, these different utilities that, that this, this technology can do, that is, that is going to change the world or, or at least change the way how we, we do things to a very significant degree. So, so that's an excellent point and, and you're spot on. So like when you look at when Board Apes first came out and CryptoPunks first came out, there was no utility. They were straight up, PFP projects, profile picture, right? Yeah. Um, your your it was artwork, and that's all it was. Sure, it is a token technically, right? Because it's an NFT. It sits on the Ethereum blockchain. Each each picture is unique, right? Of its own. It, 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 these are generative art. So basically, what generative art means, which is what we are, what board apes are, you have a base layer, which would be the in our case the quaka. Like there's a base layer plane. Nothing on it, no accessories, no nothing. It's a base layer. It's kind of like a Mr. Potato Head, mm-hmm. right? You have the base potato, and then you have the eyes and the nose and the ear and the mouth and all these different things, and you can make different variations. Well, when you create enough accessories and you know for the base layer, you're then able to generate, you know, using a computer algorithm, anywhere from tens of thousands to millions of different variations of these things. And, and this is what we did, right? So our illustration team created the base layer and created all these other accessories. I think generated somewhere around you know, 80,000, 100,000 of these unique NFT images. And then uh, Brett 
right? And and John Furno, John Furno is one of the co-founders who is actually the lead illustrator. He he illustrated the original Quaka, and then we have a team of seven others that he manages on on, on top of that. They sat there over several nights with no sleep and a heck of a lot of coffee going through basically 100,000 images to, to, to finally narrow it down to the 8,000 that we launched. And now that's what Bored Apes did and CryptoPunks did, but nothing else. But because they were the first, they're the blue chips, right? Like they're the, that's all they had to do. Kind of like when Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin was the first. There's, there's no smart contract. There's no real utility to that. It's, it's a currency. And because we, have, we now have, I mean, I told you 2009 was when Bitcoin came out. Here we are in 2022. It's proven itself, right? Like it hasn't been compromised, right? There, there's been like instances where people tried to like, you know, I, I, I guess expand the, the supply, but like nothing that's ever happened, right? So it's, it's proven itself, tried and true. So it's, it's a store of value is how the market's seen it. It's like digital gold. Mm-hmm. CryptoPunks, Board Ape. Right, it's it's kind of like the let's call it the gold of the of the NFT space. Okay. Now, where the utility comes in, and Board Apes just recently did this because Board Apes is now they launched they launched ApeCoin, which is their currency, and they're getting ready to launch the other side, which is their metaverse. Right. So what we're seeing more and more projects do, you know, anybody that launches a PFP only project, unless you are a world renowned artist. Yeah, I mean, like that has amazing art. You're probably going to go to zero. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, in my humble opinion, right? Yeah, no, it's a fair so, opinion. So you, so you have to have some sort of utility. A great example of utility would be with a, a musical artist, right? Like, look at Snoop Dogg. The guy's on the ball. Now, I think his son might be whispering in his ear because I don't know when you when you when you smoke that much weed. I I, I don't <laughs> think you're able to think about this much this stuff as as much as you can do, but. You know, but look what he's you done. You comprehend it. You just can't think about it. <laughs> but, but to actually architect and do all these different things, I, know, I think I'm... it may be a little difficult. But when you can, but if you're a musical artist, you can have somebody purchase your NFT collection and have each one of those NFTs tied to um, X number of concerts that you can attend yes. over the course of your life, right? Like maybe like one NFT. I mean, listen, for some small up and coming artist. I know one um, personally, Violetta, who I was part of her launch. Um, she's an amazing musician, uh, guitarist, uh, you know, soloist from uh, Germany, from Italian descent, but, but lives in Germany. She just did an NFT launch, uh, and she her NFTs are mapped to her concerts. So no matter where she plays in the world, you have lifetime access to her concerts if you're an NFT holder. Um, with, with others, it might be backstage passes, or you'll get free merch, or you know you'll get song um, songs airdropped to your wallet that if you have the NFT. In, in our case, as Tribe Kawaka, like our utility is well, several things. First and foremost, each one of the eight thousand Genesis NFTs um, that we launched, right, the ones that you minted and the ones that we all minted. Every one of those NFTs accumulates uh, five Quaka tokens per day. Mm-hmm. Now, these tokens are going to serve purpose in our metaverse game, uh, which is going to be released uh, the end of next year. But every single day for life, every NFT accumulates five Quaka tokens. And what will end up happening is those, those tokens will be redeemable in the game. There's going to be an NFT marketplace in the game, and those tokens can be used to buy and sell other NFTs. And by NFTs, I mean, in the game, you'll have like tools, 
uh, land, plots of land you can purchase, you know, for, you know, just different things in the game. So there's that utility from the token standpoint. And then there's a whole, you know, in real life event, you know, part of it. Like right. it's, it's one of the things that we're looking to do here, which we have done from day one is that real growing that real tight knit community. You know, we're going to be at nft.nyc in June, right? We actually have a video um, that's on our YouTube channel. If you go to Tribe Kawaka on YouTube, uh, our latest video talks about all of our in real life events for the rest of this year. And, you know, we're having these after parties where we're going to drop a pin and it's like the first people to show up and can, you know, show that they're an owner, like just show us your wallet with your, your, your digital wallet, your MetaMask or whatever with your NFT. You're, you know, you're going to be in the VIP section. Um, we're doing some, we're doing beach bashes down the Jersey Shore um, and Wildwood Crest called, you know, and that's going to be amazing. Same thing, you know, NFT to get in. We're having what's called a Quaka Cup, which is going to be a competitive event. Okay. This is going to actually be down, you know, my neck of the woods down here in, in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, you know, same thing. So it's like exclusive to owners of the NFT. You're not just buying a JPEG. You're yeah. really, you're, you're buying in one time, right? Because when we launched these things, they went for 0.06 ETH, roughly 200 bucks USD equivalent, right? Not a lot of money to, 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 to get an NFT. So for basically 200 bucks per NFT um, at the original mint, you're like lifetime access to all of our events. And our events are free. We don't charge yeah. you for those. Yeah, sure, you have to fly there, you have to get your hotel. But in terms of the actual events, there's no, there's no charge for these events. And, and people, and we've, this is what we've been learning over time. I mean, people are starving to be part of a real community, especially, especially in, a, in a post-pandemic world where depending on what country you live in, because we have people that are part of our community from all over the world, I mean, you might just be kind of getting out of the house now, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. depending on where you live. So, you know, people are, are really just hungry to be part of something like very special um, where they can meet like-minded people and make like lifelong friends. And what better way to do it than, than what we're doing here? And that doesn't even include the future stuff, which is, you know, by you having those NFTs in your wallet, getting all the free airdrops we're going to be giving away, where you'll just wake up one day and there'll be an NFT in your wallet from us. You know, again, adding um, value and and serving purpose, not just financially, right? Because th there's obviously the financial component to what those will be worth over time, but then the utility of how you're going to be able to utilize those NFTs. Again, fast forward 2023 in our metaverse game. Yeah. So. You know, no, sorry. I just that. And I think, because this is where someone who doesn't know is like, well, what the heck? Okay, so there's one metaverse game that I can use it in. And then maybe that coin or that, excuse me, that token gets me access to another metaverse game. But why do I want to be a part of that metaverse, et cetera? So there's the, these leaps that are not very big leaps, but they seem huge right now where people are still getting their head around this. <laughs> on this nft <laughs> and then it's like oh shit there's now there's the metaverse i gotta deal with right and yeah. um education remember education, education. and so what, what i want to <laughs> do Aaron, because again i know it's getting late for you is i want to put a pin in, in in the metaverse and and the nft thing and say once we're alive on the metaverse side of it with, with you we're gonna we're gonna have this conversation again and start there yeah but I wanted to take a second to selfishly ask you, because the metaverse is, is full steam ahead. You know, you talk about 
dot com yeah. in my world, you know, startups raising money, junior markets, et cetera. It's like, if you just put the metaverse into your business model, you're going to get cash, <laughs> right? doesn't matter what the heck can, it can is. I give you, can I give you, can I give you one stat that will put that in perspective for you? Sure. Yeah. 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 Be, you know, just, just, and then you, you can, you can continue where you're going with that thought. So if you look as of right now, this moment, right. If you look at the overall, and I'm looking, I'm looking this, I'm looking at it on my screen right now. If you look at the overall cryptocurrency market cap, this is the total market cap for cryptocurrency. It's it's 1.87 trillion, right? Yep. And obviously there's there's several things that are under, you know, just 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 under blockchain, as I mentioned before, right? There's DeFi, NFT, metaverse, you know, cryptocurrencies. So if we look at the current metaverse market cap, now these are and the way that we determine this is by all the tokens, right? So metaverse games um, have tokens that you know that they operate under right and, and then you also too have platforms like the sandbox is a pla- it's a metaverse platform where the the, the token the the currency in that in that uh, metaverse is, is called sand right but basically anybody can join that metaverse and create games within that metaverse so like there's some that are actually platforms where you don't want to build your own right you just want to join one that's existing and then build in somebody else's yeah. which saves money and all that stuff. But it also allows you to be able to grow and, and be in a, in, a, in a larger metaverse platform where, you know, other people can kind of hop around and get to you in other, in other places. So what, what I wanted to get, what I want to share with you is- Can I ask just cap. a quick question on that? Just yes. to clarify. Yes. Is, yes. is should people think of that like the, the metaverse platform is the same as a gaming console where you're building a game for Sega or Nintendo or PlayStation- versus or or the apple app store uh, so don't think of it, i wouldn't think of it as a platform like that i would literally think of it as the next internet right okay the next internet and and if you looked at if you look at web 2 right like web 2 social media you have social media platforms you have like fate let's look at facebook it's it's what it is it's probably the biggest right even t- even today and Within the within the Facebook platform, I'm sure you remember when like Facebook games were huge. Like there was a time when they hit a real peak. You know, Zigna was in there. I remember Mafia Wars and like all these other yeah. you know games. People were building games within a large Web two social platform. Um, it's it's not apples to apples, but just to visually represent it, that's that's pretty close. You know, a lot of time for for some people, Facebook was kind of like the internet. You know, social media was kind of the internet. It's 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 all they did. You know, so you know where blockchain technology really is going to be the next evolution of the internet because of just what it's going to allow us to be able to do. You know, you're talking about you know global marketplaces and new economies, and you know where these are going to be platforms that serve up anything from finance to gaming. Um, to really any utility. I mean, we talked about NFTs, right? A non-fungible token, right? So that's basically a digital asset that can't be counterfeited, right? It's signed on the blockchain. You know, like when I show you that in my digital wallet, that can't be faked. It's like, we can we can trace that. We can trace that transaction history on on the Ethereum blockchain using Etherscan, right? There's a way to, tra- to, tra- to be able to know that that's authentic and it belongs to you. So think about your your your, your car title. Okay. Think about the deed to your house and all the identity theft that goes around that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a piece of paper. Like one day 
that's going to be an NFT. Yes, that's going to be in your digital wallet. So, so there is a future. So it's not a matter of like if; it's a matter of when. Like where where global adoption will happen, and we'll, we'll get rid of the paper and some of these like lesser secure methods of 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 showing ownership of something and moving it to something that is basically unhackable in a sense. Um, and and with metaverse, you know, when you want to look at the overall market cap, just to show you how new we are, right? We're we're literally in the in in, in the top of the first inning of this thing. So as of right now, the market cap. Let me refresh my screen here. Is so twenty nine, uh, yeah, twenty nine point two billion is the market cap for metaverse. So less than the market cap. All of the market cap for metaverse is less than the market cap for Apple. Yeah, so I mean, if you look right, at crypto, like, the, the the cryptocurrency market cap as of right now is one point eight seven trillion, yeah. right? That's and and, and Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin is thirty six point two billion of mm-hmm. that, right? So so Bitcoin alone is thirty six point two billion, right? Let's put it in perspective. Metaverse as a whole is twenty nine point two billion. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you know you can you know you and your audience can can look this up. So City Citibank. Right. There was a big write up in Fortune magazine not that long ago. It was actually uh, earlier this month. It was on April 1st that it came out, the same day we launched our project. And, and City came out and said that the metaverse, econ- the metaverse economy um, could easily be worth 13 trillion by 2030. Right. 13 trillion. Holy shit. It's, 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 it's now, you know, 29.2 billion. So, I mean, that's they're saying within eight years, and listen, this was City saying this yeah. on Fortune. You know, it's a conservative estimate. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be like you know these these estimates are going to be like outlandish or anything like that. That's a very conservative estimate. Um, you know, by a trusted a trusted name in in, in, the, in the financial sector, uh, I, I would say it's going to be more than that. But even if it was thirteen trillion, we're talking eight years, right? Everyone right now is gearing up for this. You know, every brand from Louis Vuitton to Adidas, uh, you know, Coach, like especially like apparel brands, like the like big, you know, or accessory brands like like Louis Vuitton stuff. They're already creating all these digital assets because think of it this way, right? Just like you know, people of wealth are are flexing their status in their. Um, you know, Mercedes or their Rolls or their Lambo, or they have their Louis bag or whatever clothes they wear, you know, um, Versace, you know, like just all right, all these different things of status watches. How do you think that's going to work in the metaverse? Yeah. Right. For people that are doing that in real life, well, the metaverse amplifies that just, you know, by whatever X factor that I could even begin to fathom because getting the NFT for, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag, it's not going to be, you know, thousands of dollars when you get it at mint, right? Like when you initially mint something like that uh, in the very beginning, it's going to be a lower cost or it could be, right? But it's going to be the value over time. So all of these brands that are already making, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, they're now in a whole new economies of scale where they can now release NFTs of their same stuff, or like Adidas is planning on doing, Adidas bought a bunch of board apes so that they could outfit the board apes in Adidas gear. Yeah. Right. And 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 just think about how they're going to be able to sell 
shoes. So like if you bought one of their NFTs in the, in the digital world, that could easily map to you then getting that same um, item in the physical world. Yeah, I would, I would say, and this, it was a perfect segue into what I was going to ask you anyway, because you know, having been through multiple apparel startups in the pre-online boom of, of shopping, people, brands are adopting the metaverse way faster than they adopted e-com. And what I'm curious about, and as, like I said, selfishly curious about, is because your business is your, you know, your day, to, your day job, if you will, is your company is, is in part advertising, right? Facebook ads, mm. um, Instagram ads, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm curious how your, you know, we already know Facebook's ad revenues way down and we know TikTok's taking, you know, market share in terms of, of eyeballs and, and time, but I'm curious how you're thinking about advising your clients and customers from an advertising standpoint today. I know what, where you went with like creating digital assets is a bit different. It's a bit, it's a, it's maybe two steps or three steps ahead of, you know, the question I'm asking, but how are you thinking about the ad world and your business and your clients and future clients today? I think it's, it, everything always evolves and changes over time, right? I mean, rewind history back pre-internet, you know, you were in newspapers or you were in magazines and then it was radio and then it was TV. And whenever a new medium came out, it was like, that will never work, right? There's, there's always an issue. And the first adopters, you know, typically won, right? It's just, it's just how it's always been historically. So now with digital, we saw, you know, Google and it was SEO. Then it was Google AdWords. There was once upon a time of Google AdWords where you were paying five cents for a click of, you know, I mean, I, I remember being the CTO. The glory days. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, when I was, when I was a CTO for, it was a, a large um, lender, we were doing, it was, I mean, we built that whole business largely off Google ads in the beginning, like during that heyday, when, when, when Google AdWords kind of first came out, I was paying like five cents a click for commercial loan and just like things like that. And you're making, you're, you're doing like millions of dollars in loan transactions, right. On, you know, spending, you know, tens of thousands, maybe a month, you know, 80, 70, 80, $90,000 a month in ads doing millions and millions in, in sales. It was crazy, you know, and like now that doesn't happen. You're paying dollars per click. Right. And same with Facebook, Facebook. I remember when it was, was when it was penny clicks, I remember when it, when it first when, oh, I, when yeah, I first my, got on the platform. I, I funded my my first business was a boot camp, and we were one of the first fitness advertisers in in our region. And it was nothing; cost us nothing to fill that boot camp with the ads. So your ROI was through the roof. Oh, right? unbelievable! Yeah. What what hurt Facebook is is the iOS fourteen rollout when Apple added that new layer of security to where you know they were no longer allowing Facebook. And, and Google, for that matter, to you know access that personal data um, on those mobile devices, and you know unless the user actually went in there and allowed it, like they would have to actually allow. So when you so basically when you when you upgraded your phone to like the, the first um, version of iOS fourteen, and you opened Facebook, because then of course Facebook had to update, right? Yeah. Like Facebook had to install the new version, and you got that new version, you had to actually either allow or disallow. Um, Facebook to use, you know, your information. So 
for those that disallowed it, it made it hard to reach those people basically on Facebook. Now there, there have been a lot of workarounds, Facebook, again, it, I mean, listen, it added kind of more job security for me because it was a lot more billables to the clients. Cause I had to go into everybody's ad account and I had to do all these different um, methods of authentication to, 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 to verify the brand that was advertising so that it, you know, it just met those, those privacy, uh, you know, terms of services and stuff. But I noticed it right away is that sales went down across the board and everything. It costs more money to convert. Now, good news. And this is very, very recent. So I haven't even like tested it yet. Facebook just rolled out a new algorithm. And from what I've been reading about, it's been testing very favorably where even with iOS, the whole iOS thing, conversion, and this is something I'll have to send you offline because I, I honestly don't recall the name of it. I just, I just literally read it a week ago and um, you know, I'll, I'll do this up and I'll send it to you because it's, it's an interesting read. It's an, it's, an, it's, it was the name of the algorithm that they're using or the method and they're, they're getting a lot more like conversions are up. So, and it's kind of happening you know, like behind the scenes to where you don't have to even do anything differently. It's just the way that they're doing targeting, you know, behind the scenes and, and we're seeing and, and they're, they're getting, they're getting data feedback already. Facebook is that they're getting more like ROIs going up, conversions are going up. So that's all positive stuff. So they may have actually found a workaround to, you know, to all of this, but you mentioned TikTok and, and yeah, it's like, you know, people are going to gravitate to wherever, you know, you're getting the best bang for your buck. But, you know, the thing about digital ads is it's also the platform and what's the demographic on that platform, right? So everything always starts out very young, right? When, when a platform, when a platform first goes, right, and takes off, it's typically very young, right? When Snapchat launched, it was all young. When TikTok launched, it was like really young. It was like teenager young, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. but, now more, but now more and more people are using it. Look, when Facebook launched at one time, it was college kids, right? And then what ends up happening is those college kids become parents. And then the parents are on the platform. And then and, then, and now the kids don't want to be on the platform of those parents because they don't want to be where the parents are. And then that's when Instagram got big. Right, because Instagram was largely young, and it's the same thing. As Instagram grows and, and matures, uh, it gets older, and that's typically when it hits. I think critical, more of a critical mass, because now the ads are going to favor that demographic. So when you can have a mix-up of like millennials and 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 Gen Xers, right, on this and, and boomers on the same platform, and that can happen because that's what happened with Facebook. We got to the point to where Facebook had millennials, Gen X, and boomers all on the same platform. That's a huge demo. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are they what are they now? Two billion plus people. So that's why they've just been just so successful because not only was that where the the the, the attention was, like the people consuming um, the ads, but it was that you, you got the most ROI. So it was the lowest cost ads. Like being on LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn's awesome organic. Like LinkedIn organic, if you're going to put in the time and the work and, and you're going to post multiple times a day and you're going to do, you know, like, you know, blog articles on LinkedIn and video and then all the work you need to do every single day, the hard work. Yeah. Your, your organic's going to go through the roof because that's the way the algorithm is set up, but their paid ads. It's horribly expensive. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's almost, it's almost cost prohibitive for many businesses. So you know, I dabbed my toe in that once and it was, I just might as well pissed the money down the drain. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, so people are going to gravitate to where they can, it, it's at the end of the day, it's all about ROI, right? So they're going to gravitate to where they can get the biggest bang for their buck. But a lot of that comes down to not just the ad costs, but also like, where is 
their audience at? Where does their audience live? And what's and, and once they find out where that audience is, so, so maybe for, for some or most, it would be that they're on Instagram and Facebook, right? Even though you're serving the ads kind of on the same platform, you know, that's where they're going to put the money because they're getting the biggest bang for their buck in ad spend. And that's where their audience lives. Yeah. But there'll always be something new. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, and, right, and, meta, and, and, and metaverse will be that next economy. Like you know, it, and it's happening right now. Like you have, you know, Subway, right now, for example. And this is something that you could also look up. Like Subway is literally hiring people, like paying them by the hour, to have them log to, to, for like people like you and me, like real people, like to, to log into the metaverse and actually work at the Subway in the metaverse. <laughs> like they're paying hourly wages. Now, while that might not map well in the United States, right. Or, you know, where you are in Canada because of, you know, just, you know, average you know, pay wages and things like that. If you're in a third world country, this is where I am the most hopeful. Like, this is what I find to be the most amazing for all of humanity is that, you know, you have these third world countries that, or just lesser developed countries, let's say, but, but, but have access they have access, whether it's phone or, you know, whether it's a mobile or, you know, cyber cafes, which exist in a lot of these towns, you can have somebody literally earn an income making more money in the metaverse than they could farming or whatever the local economy is mm-hmm. like far more, like where they go from making two, three dollars a day to making $8 an hour, $15 an hour, you know, $28 an hour. That's like wealth in those countries, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that's, that's all happening right now. And what's even better is they're getting paid in crypto, (laughs) right. In whatever the token is of that particular metaverse, which is something that they can go on the open exchange and they can, they can convert that to, right. They could, they could, they can convert that to, you know, Ethereum or Bitcoin or even better stable coin, Mm -hmm. right. We have USDT, you know, USDC, we have, we have these, you know, stable coins that are paid to the U S dollar that right now are kind of leading the way, you know, and they hold their value. They're not volatile. Unlike some of the other cryptos that are like, you know, you know, they're up one day and then they're down 60%. <laughs> you know? And they can, and they can use that coin to buy, like use like the, the exchange, their, their Kowaka coin for a stable coin. And then they can go buy groceries eventually well, or, or now. Well, they could, they could, well, they could convert to fiat. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I just, I have, wanted to make sure that that, that was clear to people who didn't. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, you know, you could keep it in its form of, of a digital coin or a digital token, and you could transact that way for other people that want to accept that. Yeah. Right. Which we're going to get to the point where that's the case where, yes. where you're, you're going to have people in all countries where you're going to be able to go from like phone to phone, right? Like we can right now, like I can go, I can, I can have my digital wallet and I can scan a QR code that's in your um, shop. If you're a merchant with a pop-up or something like that, you'll have a QR code, which is your wallet. And then I can scan that QR code and I can send you whatever form of crypto that you're, that you're accepting, right? Even if it's stable coin or whatever, or you can sell that on the exchange to, and, and get currency. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I just wanted you to clarify that. I, I'm yeah. only gonna, I'm only gonna, brother, I'm only gonna bug you with two more questions. Um, no, this is great, man. I'm, just, I'm, having, I'm having a great time. <laughs> well, it's three, been, three, been, maybe been, then, but because I'm watching, it's been, it's been awesome to catch up with you. You know, it's been a oh, while, man. And and it, I'm getting, you know, just 
I read everything and then you forget it and then you read it again and then you're educating me again on the same stuff. So, but I'm, I'm watching your, uh, your biceps ripple as you're animated to, for those who are checking <laughs> this out. And I'm curious what, um, what your routine is like these days. Cause I know the last time we chatted, you were still working out, but you, you just had some, some, uh, your back was injured, right? And you had, um, you had some work done. Yeah, you know, back. a little bit, a little bit. You know, you, you get beat up over time. Like I said, I'm 49, so I'm not exactly physically, physically young as I used to be. Uh, no, you know, not, not men, aesthetic, men, aesthetically men, just men, as young. <laughs> mentally, mentally, and energy wise, you know, I'm a teenager, but you know, just the body has wear and tear, right? So, you know, like you, I mean, I mean, you've always been a, an athlete. You're, you know, for as long as I've ever known you. You know, I've been very competitive, whether it's been powerlifting, CrossFit. Um, OCR, obstacle course racing, doing Spartan races, tough mothers, tough mothers, all that stuff, you know, it's just all wear and tear. So when you're carrying, you know, logs and sandbags and, you know, all sorts of stuff on top of your shoulders up and down mountains long enough, yeah, your back's going to get a little jacked up. So I have, you know, five bulging discs in my back, uh, you know, three lower, two, two upper in my neck, Still, which is why it's like, had it dealt with. Oh, well, I mean, I, I see a chiropractor for it and stuff. I mean, it's even why, like just sitting in a chair for a long time, you'll yeah. see me kind of like cracking back and forth a little bit because it gets a little bit inflamed. But what I've done is I've had to like really just dial it back a lot. Like I don't do a lot of things. I gave up CrossFit. I, I don't do OCR at all anymore. Um, my routine now, it's all about longevity. So like now my focus is especially, let me tell you, I mean, I'll have to tell you this, you know, you have you know, your wife and, you know, beautiful kids and that new baby that you just, that, that y'all just had, which, you know, we got to catch up on that one too. <laughs> um, you know, just to be able to balance it all. Right. And let's face it, you know, life is stressful. And the more that we have stressors in our life, it's going to cause, you know, just a lot of negative things to happen in the way that like our attitude and just mindset and you know, you can kind of get very, a lot of toxicity in your, in your, in your mindset. Once that happens, forget about it. It's a virus that spreads. It's very hard to stop. And I feel like, you know, everything starts with, you know, just how we, uh, you know, are kind of balancing ourselves just health-wise, right? You know, if you can sleep, right? Like I may not get like a lot of sleep, but my sleep is quality. Like I'm getting definitely at least six hours. I do try to get seven, um, but I'm getting at least six hours of sleep a night. And it's, you know, quality sleep. Like when I hit that bed, I am out. Are you right? measuring it? Are you measuring um, it? I, 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 did, I did measure it before with a, it wasn't a Fitbit. It was another one, but the aura ring is the one that I'm looking at next. Yeah. I actually, so here's the thing. I was measuring it and I found myself getting anxious because if I wasn't hitting my numbers, mm-hmm. it was actually counterproductive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping as good. So that's the other problem. It's like, cause you're constantly like looking and measuring. It's like the people that like have to hit certain steps a day and they call it exercise. I kind of did away with it because just the way that I'm wired, I don't want to have to think about that stuff. You know, like I want to be able to see, cause if you, if you eat right and you exercise, then the sleep should follow. Right. Cause then you're able to manage your day better. So what I found, this is just for me personally, because I've, I've had so many injuries over my time. I, I gave a lot of things up and I do um, what's called hit hot yoga. I do that four to five days a week. You definitely do- at least. Four. At, wow. You, are yeah, you doubling, so how are you maintaining the size? That's the thing. It's, this is, it's, it's a very different 
type of yoga. So I, I, I'm only in the gym now one day a week, every Friday at six, I do, um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always, I always change it up. So you're, you're never get your body's never acclimating, but it's always like very, you know, your larger power lifts. So I'll incorporate like, you know, chest and legs. And I kind of incorporate a few different things and I kind of hit certain big lifts. I hit them fast. I hit them hard. And then, you know, that's like my lifting, but everything else is just this, this hit hot yoga. And what that is, is it's a hot vinyasa style yoga, but it incorporates dumbbells and bands resistance bands oh. and i'm not doing like 10 pound dumbbells dude like right I'm, <laughs> I'm, like 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 i'm doing i have i have 20s 25s 35s and 40s i just kind of line them all up like you know we typically only use two sizes but i'm always like swishing around and and you're doing snatches you're doing you know rows you're doing all sorts of dumbbell work but you're, you're doing it in between and with yoga flows. It's pretty, I've never seen it before. It's something that I found down here um, when I first moved down to Charleston. How hot, and I, and how hot is it in there? 90, 95 degrees. No wonder you were giving me shit about working out in my garage when it was below zero and the garage door was open. You're like, you need to warm up, man. <laughs> well, well, you know what? Well, if I did that, I, I'd probably, uh, you know, rip a tendon or something. I'd be too cold. You're lubricated. You know, that, that's the other thing. And, and that kind of heat, your body is so warm and lubricated, like the blood's flowing. So it's like, it's, it's almost risk-free when it comes to injury. So it's been great for my back and just, and just great for, again, like that longevity. And here's the other thing I found out, which was brand new to me. The endorphin hit you get when you're done is insane. Like, you know, you, cause it's, you're, you're only doing this for 45 minutes, mm-hmm. right? It's the perfect time frame. You're going so hard, so fast, no breaks, 45 minutes. You come out of there, you know, I'm, I'm properly hydrated, you know, BCAAs, electrolytes, all that stuff. I, I time my food like right after that workout and your energy levels through the roof mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. What time, Not only day that cognitively. What time of the day are you doing it? Morning. Like not even early morning off to school. You just go do the hit. Not not even. I I do it mid morning. It's what works for me. They have earlier ones. I don't do it because what I, what I do is because I'm up at six. My routine is I'm up at six and I cook the kids breakfast, right? They get a healthy breakfast, nutritious breakfast. I I, I drive them to school and I'm back and I'm, I'm right at my, I'm immediately at my desk. Right. So I do my bulletproof coffee routine, you know, usually, you know, I'm doing that at, typically 8 a.m., maybe a little bit before. And that's, you know, like, you, you know, Bulletproof Coffee. So, you know, with the, the collagen protein, grass-fed ghee, oh, yeah. um, brain octane oil, which is a C8 oil. So I'm doing that, that, that keto drink. That's like my breakfast. You gave, you, know? you gave me that I, I, when I stayed at your place the last time, but, but when you're still up in Greenwich, no, you were actually farther north, like New Fairfield. Baby. That was, yeah, it, Fairfield. It was Fairfield. Fairfield. Yeah. Man, I was, I was fucking on fire for like, five four or five p.m on what, what i was like my my yeah. bullet bullet coffee because i don't actually have the brand is not the same as yours clearly because i am i was saying so much the brand as long as it's a, as long as it's a good lab tested coffee and by lab tested what people don't know is is that coffee is the number one thing that we import as a country that has the highest level of mycotoxins in it mostly mold toxins and that's just even if it's organic coffee coffee it totally can be laced with mold 
just from the whole drying process, because these things are like in Colombia or wherever else, it's very humid, very hot, and the mold gets in there and then they roast it, the mold bakes in. So when you're brewing your coffee, you get mold and mold creates brain fog and it creates like stomach, like some people that are sensitive to coffee, they get like stomach problems or jitters. That's largely from the mycotoxins, not the caffeine. Huh. And that's what's, that, that was always very interesting to me. I've never been able to be a coffee drinker because I would get jitters. I would get like, like stomach kind of like queasiness. I never knew why. I'm like, ah, I guess I can't drink it. I'm a tea guy. And that, that was me for years and years. And then I did this whole lab tested bulletproof brand coffee. And then you blend it in a blender after you brew it, right? With grass fed ghee, collagen protein, um, C8 oil, which is the type of MCT, very powerful MCT oil called C8. And then I add in um, cinnamon, black pepper, and turmeric. Or you could do a turmeric chai, right? And, and the turmeric is amazing for inflammation. And the black pepper activates that, gives it a little spice. It's a great mix. And you blend is it that, together. Is that the Aaron, like, is that yours exclusive? The black pepper? That's mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's my deal. That's my, that's my deal. Where is that going to go I, on I, sale? <laughs> well, I, I started doing my own little turmeric chai because turmeric's good for inflammation. And I found that helped with just like, you know, back pain, things like that. But let me tell you something. You drink that. I'm having that like 745, eight o'clock. And for five hours, your brain's lit up like a Christmas tree, like cognitive. That's like my, I'm so productive. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going, you're just flying and just, you know, you're, you're, you're really, really laser focused, you know? And then I just, you know, I, I do my healthy meals. So now I got to tell you, and this is no promotion here because I, I'm not an affiliate of any kind, but I, I've recently started doing factor 75, those prep meals. Okay. And I got to say they're good, very good and very, and very affordable factor 75. You know, you, 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 they have like, they do like, they do keto, paleo, like you choose the meal plan. I mean, you can do custom meals and stuff. And I get um, six meals delivered every week. So it's a great way for me to like supplement in really good, healthy, wholesome meals. That's the that, first of the day that, for you, Aaron? The first that's meal my of the day left. is your factor 75 after you've had the, the bullet coffee? Yeah. It's, you'd have the bullet and then I'd have like a little snack, which is typically a collagen protein bar. Yeah. You know, again, just all fat. And then I'll have that around, around one o'clock. I'll do a factor, you know, around it's anywhere between one to two o'clock. It depends on like where my schedule is. And that's, you know, and then that, 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 then I'll have like another snack and then I'll do like, and then for a dinner meal, I'll typically, that's all I'll do a protein shake. Plus a meal. Or no, no, I'll do the protein. No, I'll do the, I'll do a, I'll do a protein shake or a meal. One of the two. That's true. Oh, no, but on the weekends, you'd maybe do a meal or no, you, you still would. Yeah. We, weekends are different. So like, okay. so Monday through Friday is when I'm really focused on the biohack stuff. So Monday through Friday, whereas where I'm hyper-focused, there's absolutely no alcohol whatsoever. Um, I mean, unless it's a special occasion and I'm like off or something, but it's like rare. Your boys you know in town. I mean? Your boys in town. That's different. You're in town. Different, different story. <laughs> different story. You know, we'll, we'll be out. But yeah, but Monday through Friday, there's absolutely no alcohol, no dairy, no gluten. I keep it super, super clean, always exercising. And yeah, and that, and that, and that does it. Man, I got to step up my game. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you stepped up your game. What else, what else are you, uh, what else are you taking these days that you're liking a lot? Like that's maybe that's off the beaten track a little bit, something that you've stumbled across. I mean, everything that when I came the last time and you just fed me was all, I think it was like mostly bullet 
bulletproof uh, products. I don't know what they all were, but like, yeah. So I, I, I'm focusing a lot on gut now on gut health. So I'm a big fan. And again, this is like no promotion. I'm not an affiliate for anybody at all whatsoever, but I just swear by this stuff. I've been doing it for years. So Viome, V-I-O-M-E, Viome, the, the gut testing, um, they have a health intelligence test where, you know, you're doing a, you're doing a, a poop sample and you're doing, you're pricking your finger, doing a blood sample and they have just, you know, pr- proprietary AI driven system that crunches all this data, your genetic, you know, with also your microbiome. And they literally can just map you perfectly to the T what your food should be, right? So it, it downloads to my mobile app. I know exactly what foods are toxic that I can't eat. You know, and most people don't know this information. Like it would cost thousands of dollars to hire a nutritionist, nutritionist and manually food map, you know, your, you know to, to, to your body, right? To your spec. And it would take like six months, mm-hmm. right? This is a $200 test. <laughs> I, in, in three weeks after I get it sent in, I have that all downloaded to my phone and I'm done. Do they, right? no I think my brother did it. Are they giving you the supplements too? Not just the foods, like the ones you should take? That, that's an option. So they, right. they have a whole supplement system. I personally have not taken those. I've, uh, cause you know, once you start like doing your research and figuring this stuff out, you start to realize that, you know, and this is, you know, not even talked about that much that I've seen in the main, definitely not in the mainstream, but your gut health is really the center of everything. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people think, oh, I'm getting older. My metabolism is slowing down. Well, it's because of your gut health. You know, when, when you're, especially like living in the United States, you know, where you're literally being poisoned every day without knowing it between prescription medications, um, food in the grocery store that you think is safe, but it has like high fructose corn syrup or it has dyes, like, you know, artificial dyes and colorings and things like that, right? There's just so much. And then there's air pollutants, just walking outdoors. If you live in a metro area or in a city, you know, in in the United States, in in the average, you know, like town, when you when you walk outside, you're you're breathing in, I think the number that I read was anywhere from, a, from around 126 um, air pollutants. And a lot of these things are carcinogens. I mean, look, there's, you can just do the, read the research on, you know, just pull yourself from CDC in terms of like cancer rates and all these different diseases that are just hitting us, you know, like crazily increasing every single year after year after year, you know, it's, it's largely from all the stuff that we're breathing in, right. From after being outdoors and things that we're eating that we're putting in our body or things that we're putting on our body, like hair gels and deodorants and all that stuff. So when you start to really figure that stuff out and you start moving to all natural products, you're not putting chemicals on your body. You're not putting chemicals in your body. Mm-hmm. Now the breathing thing, that's a hard one, but there's program there's, you can do cleansing. Like I do cellular cleansing twice a year um, with a product called Isogenics that I really like a lot. And uh, that, that works really well just to kind of like, just kind of like, you know, a little bit of a system reset and it keeps your cells, your, just your body, you know, you know, clean. And you, you, you feel great. And that's, that's, that's the big key. I mean, listen, especially when you're, when you're busy and listen, we all are these days, you know, if you're, if you're, I don't care if you're running multiple businesses, right. Like us and you have a family and then, you know, kids and just a whole life to balance or if you're just an executive in a company or just somebody starting out and you're younger, perfectly healthy, 
you know, like I wish I knew about this stuff when I was like in my twenties. I mean, I was always kind of healthy, you know, like even in my twenties, I worked out and stuff, but you think you're invincible when you're in your twenties, you know? So I was, it's a different game. You know what I mean? But if, if, if you're playing the longevity game from an early age, you're just going to be going that much harder, that much stronger, that much further. You know what I mean? Um, I think so. You know, it, it definitely works. You know, I, 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 you know, I have the data to prove it. <laughs> dude, dude, man. Uh, well, I <laughs> appreciate you sharing that. Cause now I'm going to kick my own ass into gear. I don't know, man. I see your workouts that you post online in that the, your, your garage well, workouts are, are sick, dude. Well, <laughs> like that's the part, like, it's like you said, it's like, sure. The workout is good. A bit younger than you. So you have, you know, you got a little bit more of that going, but in terms of what I put in my body, you know, I got, you know, like I'm, I'm so far away from being truly clean, consistent and, uh, and I'm, I'm noticing, man, you know, I'm noticing more brain fog, you know, I, alcohol just doesn't, it's not the same. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love all forms of alcohol. (laughs) You know, I love, I love a good wine. I love a good double IPA with you. I love a good bourbon, but none of it feels the same as it used to. Even I'm 30, I'm turning 36, even two years ago, in two years, I've noticed the the shift in the morning, you know, or even uh, the morning, the next morning, obviously, where it's like, the quality of sleep clearly wasn't there even if you slept. But you know what? There's even hacks for that. <laughs> you know, listen, even like my my partners, right, in in hockey lab. So you know, like you know, we'll go out and we'll you know have a few beers after when we all get together in person. You know what I mean? And we're working like long hours, sixteen hour days. You know, we'll have you know our after hours. You know, little like you know just hanging out, you know, blowing off some steam. And I'm always breaking out the activated coconut charcoal. You know, oh, yeah. they're, I thought you were going to say the activated so acne, yeah. So activated coconut charcoal, bulletproof makes that one too. I mean, there's other brands, but that's the one that I use. I, I like I just like their products. And you do two of those charcoals before you go out. Even it's even good for food, not just you know, if you're gonna go out, even if you're just having a couple of glasses of wine or a few beers or whatever. I'm not saying like you know, I don't go out exactly. I'm 49. I'm on my 20s. I'll go out and get shit faced anymore. But you know, just by having just going out for a few drinks, like that next morning you wake up, dude, you feel great because it it, it soaks up all the toxins in your body. You know, so does it, does it that, soak up everything though? Like, does it like if you took your good supplements as well you as can't the do tri- it. exactly? Yeah, right? yeah. So you'd have to time it, right? So you, 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 you like just to play it safe an hour. So if you took the good supplements an hour before the charcoal, you're good. So the the charcoal, I take it with me. I put like a little Ziploc fag and I take it with me. I don't know why I never put two and two together. Cause sometimes when, you know, cause we did a lot of travel to the developing, developing nations, filming, filming and, and, you know, just different things that I, and I would take charcoal to deal with it. If I thought I ate something questionable. Yeah. Down there, you know, but yeah, I never, same, same idea. Never put it. Same idea. <laughs> same idea. I mean, back in the, back in the day, like when, when cops used to do like drug raids and the bars and stuff, like it was even one of those movies I, I saw, it was a still of the night or something. The one with uh, Jacqueline Phoenix or whatever it was. Oh, it was a cool movie. Anyway, it was about like, I think it was like back in the eighties during like the, her- the heroin 
you know, um, you know, days or whatever. And cops would raid bars. They used to pour liquid charcoal down the throats of people that were strung out on drugs in the bar because mm-hmm. the charcoal would, would soak it up and it would sober people up really, really quickly. Mm. So it's just, and it's healthy. It's actually, there's, I mean, I don't know about that stuff back then, but like an activated coconut charcoal, it's just clean charcoal from coconuts. And it does a good job of just, it only toxins bind to it. And then you just simply pass that through. So it's, there's no harmful side effects from, from taking that. So between the charcoal and then before bed, there's the, nowadays, I'm sure you've seen them online from ads. There's all sorts of like, you know, drinking supplements, which are just like, you know, um, stacks, uh, you know, like custom vitamin stacks of like electrolytes and different mm-hmm. things um, to help replenish your body from, you know, what you do. <laughs> IV vitamin therapy, that, that will help that too. Yeah. My, my guy only gives me the Myers cocktail. I've never had anything more interesting, which is just like so, heavy. So the Myers is good. The Myers is good. You can, so I used to get, I haven't had it in a while. I haven't needed one actually, thankfully, because it, because they're a little bit making it a little expensive, those things. But, you know, so the Myers is where they mix the B, it's like B, it's like the B complex and I think vitamin C and yeah. maybe some zinc in there. I used to add in mega dose glutathione. Glutathione is like the, the, the antioxidant that you could take. I would, I would do like 1200 milligrams glutathione, which is like the most you could take. I think I got doctor's approval from the, from the, from the, from the, <laughs> from the, from the IV place, you know, to, to be able to do it. They ask you all these questions, but I would add in like trace minerals and glutathione. I'd have the bees, this, you know, lots of C and you would get, you would like 15 minutes after that, you know, you would just feel amazing. And it does, it just, it really cleans your body out. Good. Does the glutathione, is that got the, like the chill effect too, or is that something else? That- I think the chill effect, I think, the, I think the trace minerals would do that. Like little tingly kind of chill effect. Like, yeah. Like, Cause you hear guys saying like, they take there's whatever cocktail they're taking via IV is like, they just, they're just so relaxed for a couple of days, like no stress, no anxiety. Nothing. Well, glutathione, glutathione will absolutely help that because it's, mm-hmm. it's such a powerful antioxidant. So just by doing, like I used to go once a week and get these done back when, back when I was doing them and, and I haven't actually done them in probably a couple of years, to be honest. Uh, but it does, it would, it would reduce. So cortisol is a stress hormone. Yeah. And that's what you always want to reduce, which is honestly why I fell in love with this, with this yoga practice. Maybe that's been the thing. I haven't needed it because for the past two years, which is probably the last time I did the vitamin therapy for the past two years, I've been doing this new type of yoga that I found. And, you know, I found, I, I know what that feels like when that, like the way your body feels when you're under that kind of stress, when that you can feel that hormone inside of you. I mean, you're, it's almost like your eyes are bugging out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're getting like hot flashes, like the blood pressure dries <laughs> and you can feel it in your head. Not, not fun at all. Not fun at all. So I haven't had that in honestly, probably the past two years. That's good. I, I, That's I think good. it's large. I think it's lo- even with everything going on. I think it's not that I don't have some bad days. We all do, but I think largely from just being on the nutrition program, just, you know, keeping it clean five days a week, weekends, you know, I have fun on the weekends like anybody else, but five days a week of just having that focus and then just doing that amount of yoga that I do. I think that really, really helps, you know, just curb all of that stress and it works. I, I love your life. I love your perspective of the world. I love, I love how you, I love how deliberate you live. 
Uh, I love how deliberate you are with everything from, like you said, the intentionality behind uh, Tribe Kawaka and education, as well as, you know, strategy, lessons learned from .com and, and, and taking that into the, you know, pandemic and being ready to your exercise, to your nutrition, to who you are as a father, you make your kids freaking breakfast, you know, and you're working 16 hours a day. Like it's just, it's, I just, I cherish that about you. And I, uh, I wish we could see each other more. <laughs> I'll, you know, yeah. South Carolina and Vancouver are not close, especially, uh, <laughs> no, in pandemic borders are closed and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day we'll just move to sunnier weather, be your neighbors. <laughs> hey man, I would, I would love it for you guys to come down here. I, I mean, we talked about it a lot. Like once you can get, actually get out of there and, and, and start traveling again. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Especially this time of the year, dude, like, like today we had a few cold days, but today was in the eighties. It was perfectly sunny, blue skies, 80 degree weather. That's my pace. Your, your cold days are not my cold days. <laughs> but no, we, yeah. we will do at the, at the, you know, the very least. And I will say I'm genuinely serious about that. Cause I got a lot like you guys, and I've had a lot of friends move to the area, not necessarily South Carolina, but there's been North Carolina, there's been Memphis. There's been like a lot in that little pocket. Um, mm. People just relocated out of big cities in the last couple of years. And uh it makes sense, you know, right. with everything going more virtual. So we're, we're seeing that too. There's a, we've, we've seen a huge influx of people from mostly New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, yeah. which, which are those Northern Northeast, you know, cities and Metro areas because everybody's, uh, you know, well, both more virtual, but also too, you know, South Carolina is a very free state, yeah. you know, like they don't, there's no, there's, we, we actually never had any lockdowns here. There was never any real masking or anything, you know, there's definitely never been any um, kind of like, you know, vax law requirements or anything like that. I mean, in the, the schools, the schools had masking with the kids and stuff, but that was brief. Uh, you know, the local economy here has been booming, like unbelievably booming, even like real estate, which unfortunately, you know, real estate has doubled and tripled in some areas. But, you know, luckily we got it. We were able to get in and, and we bought our lot early on when we first got here. So, you know, but we're still in the building process. I so, yeah, I hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully when you get out of there, man, our house will be done. Dude, that, yeah. that I know it's going to be on the water. The, um, I it just totally curious now that you brought it up, where did you guys fall? Do you know, on the state by state, you know, however accurate and however much you can trust the case, the case polls, uh, or the case counts, I should say with being a total, a virtually totally open state. You we know. were like Florida, like Florida. We were pretty yeah, much like and Florida. I knew like Florida yeah. was like somewhere like 12 or in the teens in terms of, you know, where they, where they landed. And I don't know if it was cases or deaths, but you know, it's like fourth most populous state in the country, like, you know, to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know like exact numbers. And to be honest, I tried to, it's tough to pay attention to that because so many, so much of that was fudged. Yeah, you know, like just, 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 I mean, not just here. I mean, everywhere, like, I mean, that's, that's been, a, that's a known thing now. So it's not like my opinion, that's yeah. kind of a known thing because we've even seen where states have had to make changes saying, oh, we were wrong. And we had, we, 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 we had, you know, wrong data and they would have, they'd have to like justify it and, and, and change it later. But what I could tell you is, is that, you know, from, we never stopped living down here. Right. So we were, 
always active out going to concerts going to restaurants going out as a family having fun the beaches like you know and yeah never masked up or anything like that and our whole house had you know got covid last august it was brief you know it wasn't that bad at least in our case i know it was very serious for some people and and you know you have to look at that you know as it is but you know in terms of our numbers you know unless it was really just you know it was COVID was mostly affecting the elderly, you know, people with pre-existing conditions. So kids, it was like nothing. I don't even know any kids that really had it, yeah. you know, like my whole house did, but when Ethan and Savannah, cause I, I brought it home. I was the one that affected everybody. Um, but Ethan and Savannah, they were like, it was like a 12 hour bug. Like yeah. literally it's they were same, like, same crappy, playing Roman. like, like I they had were it, I had for 12 hours. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. We talked about that. So I, I and I had it the worst in my house too, but it, it, but it, it was no different than, you know, anything else that I've had. And it was just more lo- like longer. It took longer to kind of shake it off. But, but let me tell you, man, after that, again, same thing. I was always out doing everything and none of us ever got, no, none of us ever got anything again. Yeah. Yeah. Same story, man. You know, so, but just happy that's all that's behind us. And now it seems that everything's opening back up. Uh, you know, we just had the law passed. Uh, just literally a few days ago, now you can travel via train, bus, airplane, no masking. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that just got got passed. We're still, well, federally at least, we're still mandated on certain things and and whatnot. And there's still, yeah. I mean, the problem, the problem is the halo of like, okay, we might be done it, but all the things politically, bureaucratically, legislatively human human rights or oh, there that that is just tipping you know the tip of the iceberg yeah. as to what the backlash and and you know the and and to your you know you made the comment like you know it's it's common knowledge sure if you pay attention but it, it's not like any media outlets in, in in this country are jumping up and down and saying by the way the case numbers were we had to reduce here here and here and here it's like there's no there's yeah. no recourse and there's no restating unless of course you were on the other side of it <laughs> and they made you, you know, like a Joe Rogan right. situation where it's like, you better repent <laughs> you I, know, not, for everything you know, that, that, you've ever said. That's always, been, that's, that's always been the problem is like, which is what I picked. Listen, that's what I picked on right away. Like I remember like back when it was like, I think March, 2020, when things started to really happen, you know, February, March, 2020. And let me tell you, like all of us, we were, we took it like real, real serious. You know what I mean? Like my, my, my wife's in healthcare, my brother-in-law, he's a, you know, he, he's a, he's a double doctorate. He was actually part of one of the original teams uh, funded by DARPA. I think it was working on one of the original vaccines. So I had firsthand knowledge of a lot of stuff and, you know, we were like, took it real seriously. I didn't leave my house. I'm like, you know, I'm forget about like freaking like cloth masks. I'm like, you know, full blown N95 respirators to go to Whole Foods <laughs> to buy stuff. It's like, Hey man, I'm here. I'm ready to comply. And, you know, let's, let's keep people safe. I was like, gung ho. I mean, that's just the way I'm wired. Right. But you know, when you start moving the goalpost, you know, two more weeks, two more weeks, months, 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 years, <laughs> you know, and, and, and no one's ever, and there's never a positive piece of news when everything, everything just was so darn political. And it was like, you know what, this is just crazy, you know, because it's no longer about people's health, you know, it's, it's now about control and politics. And I don't even care what side you're on. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't really talk politics, but you know, cause 
I think, you know, everybody has their shortcomings, right? And people have their rights and their wrongs and everything. So I could care less like what side of the aisle you're on. You know, everybody has their problems and everybody was to blame for something, this whole thing, you know, to not get it to move in the right direction. So it was just really cool, you know, coming down here to a, to a free state, like just like how Florida was. And it was mostly a decision made because of our kids. Like what was the unfortunate thing was in the state of Connecticut, the teachers union decided no matter what grade the schools, the, the, the kids were, that they were not going to teach, not even on video. They like literally handed all the parents um, a packet and you got Google Classroom, which was all text-based. So when you have like, like a little kid that can't read all that and like, like self-teach, you know, like the teachers were basically answering emails that the, the, like the kids, no matter what the age, had to type in it in, in like a, a chat that wasn't even real time. It was more like a thread that you would submit. It was like so archaic and horrible. And they wouldn't even do video because they made up some reason why they wouldn't want to do for privacy reasons. We end up having to hire tutors, you know, because you can't be parents working full-time jobs, trying to put food on the table and then be the teacher at home. It was, it was completely insanity. It was total insanity. So that was like the, I think that was like the icing on the cake. And we're like, that's it. Move down South, made that happen really quickly. And the schools here were amazing. You know, like for two weeks, they did some, virtual instruction, but it was really good. It was Zoom, dedicated teachers, very hands-on, great, the way they had the curriculum structured. We didn't have to do anything. And then boom, they were right back in school. So yeah, it was pretty cool to see the difference between seeing a state that does it the right way versus the many states that were doing it the wrong way. And why were they doing it the wrong way? Because of all this political motivation. So, you know, but hey, I'm just happy that that's behind us, not just for us, but for, for now, largely for everybody, you know, the whole country has opened up and this thing with air travel now is awesome. Cause that was like the last thing that people were waiting for. And that was literally days ago, you know, now you can fly and not have to worry about a mask. Not that it was working anyway, because you could pull it down to eat your food and then put it back up. I guess the, the, <laughs> the comments, that was the part that like the stages of like, you know, like you said, like we took it very seriously too. And then all of a sudden it was, why the heck is everybody I've listened to getting canceled and, or their shit getting taken down for asking questions. And then it was like, well, this mask thing doesn't make any sense to me because our, our own uh, health ministers had said that cloth masks don't even work prior to this. Right. And that they're mandated. And then, you know, two years later, they finally, you know, again, common knowledge, not, not my opinion, say, you know, cloth masks do not work. Proof is in the pudding, regardless of what you think anyway. N95s do work pretty well. And one way yeah. masking works. So yeah. why are we, I think it was like five months where cloth mandate, cloth mask mandates still existed in, in my country after yeah. that, those recommendations had been made by the same governing bodies that had effectively put in the first ones. And it's like these common sense things. I can go on a plane and I can, I have to wear a mask and I have to stand six feet away from them in the airport, but I can sit beside them on the plane. I can take off my mask, but I have to put it back on. Like, I was like, am I the The inconsistencies? The inconsistencies were (laughs) insane. No, that that, that is, that is the best example. You're, you're like, you know, especially when you're in coach, you're like sardines. (laughs) You're like sardines in a can. Yeah. And, and it's like, 
you know, yeah, I can pull it down and drink my water and eat my peanuts or whatever. So, you know, we know how that works, man. Like, you know, COVID goes dormant when you're eating, right. <laughs> you know, it's on vacation. It goes to sleep. It's on, it, it takes a nap. And then when you, when, it, when your, when your mask goes on, it, it's alive again. <laughs> I know. I, and, and, you know, there's something you said in the very beginning of this podcast and, and we won't get into it be, because I'm getting the eyeballs now from my wife, but the, uh, you mentioned how, you know, the only way the banks could get into the coin, the crypto, was to suppress the value, right? To yeah, to essentially, you know, to play the market, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, through, through through mainstream media, through like, the mainstream media, like 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 through like instill fear yeah. that it's something that's volatile and that you're going to get hurt, and that you need regulation, not that. Regulation can be a good thing when it's the right kind of regulation, but and you might have you might yeah. have also gotten hurt in in crypto. But to your point, that wasn't their their sole motivation <laughs> to protect you. And it just it just yeah. seems like you know everything these days is you know we watched we watched it happen with the truckers convoy and like we had friends there and they're being <clears> called terrorists. Yeah, like those are, those are terrorists. Those are our next door neighbors who. To go own a farm with some cows and chickens and you know and like and right right like they're not like they're salt of the earth people like you know i'm not it's saying a, there's a, a bad apple there but you know anyways you just see it and then you see things like anyway we don't have to go down that road i just you know i guess the last thing i'll say brother because it's just been so lovely to to catch up with you is is there anything that you want to leave the audience with today and where would you like them? I should clarify, you know, some quote you like, some wisdom you have, anything at all. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it simple. You know, just uh, you know, I, I think I mean what I'm a huge believer in. First of all, you know, like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm always a person that always been a person of faith since it, you know met me. So, you know, that's always been you know the kind of the cornerstone, like my rock, you know, at, at the core of my center. So I've always kind of like you know well never perfect, of course, but always tried my best to live my life with strong Christian values and just kind of like bring everything out from that, you know, in terms of like my work ethic and family and everything else, but to also balance, you know, life with just, you know, good health, good nutrition, exercise. Because I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, which is who I'm speaking to right now, especially, you know, everybody is so focused on working so hard. And I think that there's like this, like, just this thing that's in society today that, that, that it almost like glamorizes or makes working hard, like working to death cool. And while I may be a hard worker, like I think it's pretty freaking stupid <laughs> to just sit there and grind and work yourself to the bone and not take care of yourself. Right. Because what most people don't realize, because again, they're, they're looking at people like Gary V who not for nothing, the guy does work hard but he, he does sleep. He'll tell you, he gets his seven hours. He exercises, he eats clean. He, he doesn't talk about it as much as he talks about how hard he works, but you know, it just, it's, it's glamorized too much. And, and I think people need to realize that it's very counterproductive that if you first and foremost, you know, are, are sleeping, you know, getting your, getting your sleep every night, you know, having good nutrition, exercising, not every day, but you know, at least three, four days a week, that all in it by itself is going to help you to be able to have more cognitive function, be able to work 
um, more productively, you know, longer hours, more efficiently, and, and just be a better person, you know, because I know a lot of people that just don't do that and work their asses off and they're miserable. You know, they're, they're bitter. They, they, you know, they're business owners, they treat their clients poorly. They treat their families poorly, you know? So, you know, everything comes down to taking care of you. Like if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. And that's just something that I, that, that I truly believe. And, you know, so then outside of that is, I would just say, you know, for those that are new to crypto, new to NFTs, new to metaverse, you know, start doing your research. You know, the beautiful thing is we live in a world where we have Google at our fingertips. We have YouTube at our fingertips and there's a lot that you can learn. And I'll tell you right now, just even if you don't ever want to buy an NFT, come join our community, Tribe Kawaka. If you just go to our website, tribekawaka.com and Kawaka is Q-U-O-K-K-A, right? Tribekawaka.com. Um, all of our links are there to join our Discord, all of our social media. Uh, the Discord is the most powerful. That's our communication platform and everything is shared there. So you'll have free education for life. And for that, you don't even have to be a member. We give that to everybody. Amazing, brother. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and uh, you know, on, on a whole plethora of fronts. And I do encourage people to go check out the tribe Kawaka. Uh, just to, again, like you said, just to see. You know, even if you're not interested in MIT, nothing to do with the fact that we're both. Yeah, for, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, of course, we want you to taste. be a member, but but yeah, yeah. Just of course, we want you to become a member. But you know, by having one of our you know NFTs that you can buy in OpenSea and on the secondary market. But yeah, by no means required. We just want to help actually build a bigger, safer community. To be honest, one of the one of our core focuses as a company is to take that five hundred thousand ish number of people currently in the NFT space and, and, and help be one of the companies actually helps bring that number to millions and millions. We want to on-ramp as many new people as possible in a very safe way and let them be part of an awesome community. And that's what we're about. You're here, brother. Well, thank you very much. I'll let you do yeah, your, your one hour and 15 minutes more of work before you go to bed. <laughs> thank you, man. Yeah. Ciao. I do have to finish something. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. No, there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you, make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others, you know, all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything, we'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on, of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace. Hello, dear listeners. Joel here. Thank you so much for tuning in these past few months. It's been a wild ride and I, you know, I didn't know what to expect when I started and it's been, it's been fantastic and I've learned a lot and I hope you have too. I've thoroughly enjoyed my guests. They are all such incredible human beings with so much to give and offer this world. And this little short announcement is simply that 
I take Augusts off uh, for the most part, certainly off social media. And as a result, the podcast will be on hold, restarting again September 7th with Martine Cleason, who is a Kundalini dance instructor. So definitely tune in for that. In the meantime, if you are traveling on a road trip, on a plane, check out one of the amazing, wonderful people who's been on the podcast before. If you've missed some of the episodes, honestly, I don't have a favorite. They're all fantastic. And I think if there's one you missed, jump in and enjoy it. And if not, take some time off, take some R&R, unplug, reset yourself. And we'll look forward to seeing you in September.